Jack. Hey, uh, hello. Welcome to episode number 43 of Red River Podcast. Um, today we are on location. Uh, somewhere in, <laughs> took in the, the show on the road. Yeah, we took the show on the road because uh, I figure why not? You know, sometimes you got to hit the road to uh, spice and things up. And today we are uh, in East Bumblefuck. Um, we're, we're talking to a friend that I've been friends with for a while, and we finally got her on the show. Her name is Michelle Rizzo Berg. Hey, guys. What's happening? Hello. Hey. Welcome, welcome to my house. All right. So the last invitation I got, you were in the apartment. Yes. Which looks like, this looks like four of those. Maybe. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. But everything looks, um, everything looks amazing. You have a lot of, uh, uh, Motley Crue stuff. How much of this is Richie's stuff, your husband, or, and yours? It's a nice even mix, actually. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, there's a lot of guitars on the wall. There's a lot of, uh, like, Langan is sitting on a... Guns N' Roses bar stool. On a, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He, he's basically sitting on the cymbal. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> that sounds very unimportant. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, don't, don't answer that shit. <laughs> So um, it's this is a super rock and roll house, and uh, today you know we got a chance to catch up, talk. Um, you yeah, know, we're you, hanging in our music loft. Hanging in the music it. loft. You know, a lot of people that don't know, you're in charge of the Bolton Center where we do the movies out of. Yes. So we have that cool marriage. We'll get to that. Um, but to me, you know. It takes a, 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 a village. And w- when music scenes happen, some people play music, and then there's other people that are behind the scenes. I feel like, you know, you never played anything, but you're so engulfed and entrenched in music for, like, your whole life. Like, basically, every job you've had had to do with music. L- l- let's get kind of, like, a up-to-date as, as to where that started that you could remember. So... I do play a very terrible guitar. Okay. So I will say that. But no, because um, I play such a terrible guitar, I decided a lot of I, I really, <laughs> I was like, you know what? I really can't be in a band. So Mick how Mars else isn't can that I? good. <laughs> I do too. For me, I think it's, you know, I was telling Brian earlier that I have a brother who's six years older than I am. So I think if it weren't for him, I probably would not be as entrenched in all of this, um, what we, you know, music. And growing up with him, you know, he was that guy that loved, you know, metal. You know, he was, 18 I guess and you know listening to White Snake and Def Leppard and all those bands and and me being this impressionable kid was like oh what is this stuff so at the time also we we didn't have cable so my aunt from Jersey would actually record on her VHS tapes MTV and send it out to my brother and we'd watch it yeah. in his room which was very cool was that early 80s then Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think one of the earliest memories I have is seeing the Def Leppard Fool in video. And from nice. there, I was sort of hooked. Yeah. And who, who introduced it? Adam Curry? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> um, I don't think it was on Headbangers Ball. It could have very well been Martha Quinn for all I know. Hard but, they were playing that like 24 <laughs> 7, those yeah. Def Leppard, when they only had like 10 videos. That is Def true. Leopard got heavy rotation. That yeah. Is, that is true in the very beginning. Like yeah. you figure there was like 10 videos and they got mad airplay. Yeah. And, and when you think about it, it's almost like podcasting now. I know that you're not too familiar familiar with podcasting, but it's very like ground level. Um, and I'm sure people, when videos were introduced, they were probably like, "Wait, like you're going to listen to music on TV? That's not going to work. No one's going to want to do that. No one's going to want to pay, you know, to make a video and all this other stuff." And, and just you know, insane what MTV turned into. Yeah. yeah, and it was just so strange. Like I just remember that video, and for some reason, it just 
something resonated with me and I just I was I was immediately hooked I loved it and then I was given for Christmas one year Bon Jovi Slippery When Wet and that was kind of like I was done I was like I I was in love with all of them I thought they were the most you know gorgeous men I've ever seen I loved all the music and well listen there's five of them and let's say you never met Richie <laughs> and you had to marry one which one would it, it be? It would have been Richie. Really? Be Tico ah. Torres for the win. Come on, Tico. <laughs> Tico. Tico's short, man. I didn't know until I saw him like at the uh, Rock and Roll Hall of well, Fame. It wouldn't have been Alec John Such, though. So. Well, he's but. a traitor. <laughs> the bass player. We don't. <laughs> exactly. We don't mention his name. So, but yeah, slippery one way. Yeah, no, and you know, and it was just, I just remember just loving that, and and I have I had on I have it on vinyl, and I just remember loving it so much, and I listened to it to nauseum, and for my birthday. I, you know, the, that following May, my, my parents surprised me with tickets to see them at Madison Square Garden and the light, and it was, it, I, I really don't know how, they must have camped out for these tickets. Like, cause you know, again, that was the days when you stood on a video store yeah, line you go to the video and store, yeah. you waited and my mom and my, my brother waited on this line and got tickets for me and my whole family. And we went and it was, we were sitting behind the stage way up top and bon Jovi is family fun. That's yeah. basically what it is. Yeah, they're it was, it they're was, family friendly. It was me, my both my brothers. So I have a youngest, I have a younger brother who's about a year and a half, two years younger than I am. My mom, my dad, and I think my cousin Carol. And the lights went out, and I turned to my brother, and I'm like, I'm going to work in a place like this one day. And he's like, all right. And I don't even know what that meant. But from there, it just, I wanted to do anything and everything that involved being around music. It, it just... There was nothing else that mattered to me, you know. Like I, I was a terrible student, but I went to school and I and I made sure that I went to class. But I wish know. I wish I had that drive, you know, because like for me, like I remember, you know, watching Metallica's One mm-hmm. and uh, seeing uh, that that breakdown where they're all headbanging, right? And you just see this like like hair, and like my cousin and me would watch it. it you know, she was a girl; she had this like long hair. We, she, you know, we were in Queens, and when it got to the headbanging part, we were both headbanged, but her hair yeah. was so long that it looked like this mop, and I was so jealous. You had hair envy. Yeah, yeah, I was just like, I was like, yo, she could headbang just like Metallica. That's <laughs> fucked up. Like, I got to grow my shit out like that. Actually, no, I never did, but, <laughs> but you know, I, I had that envy, and it, there's something, I, I mean, I guess it made me want to play music, but uh, on the flip side, you said, I want to work in a place like that, which just seems like a smarter and be- better bet than me, right. you know, ever making it as a musician. So, you know, lo and behold. But I didn't mo- know, but I didn't know what that meant. And I, I just, I just knew that that environment made me feel something. And I just wanted to be in that environment all the time. And I had, I have parents um, who were really supportive of that. You know, I was, I was 15 and they were taking me to a lot of the local clubs here on Long Island. And, you know, my father would, drop me and my girlfriends off and walk up to the bouncer and be like, can you let them in? You know, they just want to see this sh- and they'd let us in. I don't That's know why, awesome. but you know, places like sparks and spit. And, and, um, then when I got my license, it was the Roxy in Huntington. And I just kept, what, what was the first to- local show that you saw? I, the first local show, to be honest, that I don't know. I don't remember, but, um, it was probably at sparks and it was probably for local bands. Cause I spent a lot of time. Um, and it's funny because I just, when, when I was in high school, in ninth grade, uh, Sachem, I went to Sachem, and they had this this club after school called Rock Band Club. I kid you not. And you would go there. Portion Road? 
<laughs> yes, Portion Road. <laughs> Shout out to Portion Road. Shout out to Portion. <laughs> Lake Ron Konkuma. Um, you know, I would, I, there, there was a rock band club and, and I was in ninth grade and in the band room where they would have orchestra and, the, and bands um, on, I don't know what night of the week it was, but you would go and if you were in a, a band and you went to school or you had a member from that band, you could go and you can play in the rock room and rock That's band club excellent. was like you would set up you would like set up for the bands playing and they would, there was like a little, it might've been a four or an eight track. I don't remember. Um, little like recording studio. And if you went to school there, your band can record in that little studio. And I hung out at rock band and I think that's probably where I first learned to multi-track cause I recorded, I was in the recording sessions with a friend's band of mine and I'm still friends with all those guys till this day. And was it nine days? Um, no, but they played rock band. You know, like they, they were from, one of them was from Sachem and, yeah. and they, they used to be in a call, a band called Indian summer and I would like coil cables and set up for their shows. And then at the end of the year there was, there was rock fest and it would be like four or five bands from Sachem or members of Sachem and, Again, you know, I was the roadie and I would set up and I'd break down and it was exciting. It was yeah. everything I wanted to be. Everything in you wanted everything. to do. Everything. And it was it was youth culture. Just like hip hop is now. Mm-hmm. You know, back then it was like rock bands like that. It was the Bon Jovi's like everyone looked like that. So it's funny to see, you know, like things change. I'm sure, you know, twenty years prior to that people were, you know, wearing tie dyes and giving peace signs. This was like the rock era mm-hmm. of, of the Motley Crues and the Bon Jovis and all that other shit. Uh, but yeah, it was just like crazy times, exciting. Uh, I remember you, you, you even like in, at Adventureland in Farmingdale, you could like cut a song. You know, you would go there and like people would be singing like Debbie Gibson or some shit. I have a photo of myself with a John Bon Jovi <laughs> cardboard cutout from Adventureland. Yeah. yeah. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so sick. So you you were also like it, around this time, like you weren't you like uh, president of certain fan clubs? Like were, were you taking? I wasn't like, president of fan clubs, but I was in every fan club. In fan club. Oh yeah, I was. So, you know, I was in the Trickster fan club. I was in the Slaughter fan club. You know, because that was, you know, I was I was eleven in eighty seven, eighty eight. What's so. the best swag you got? Who gave the best swag? Which fan club? Probably the Slaughter fan club. You know, yeah. I've got things like notepads and. You Got know. a few locks of uh, Blast Elias's hair, maybe. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Do you know he does the, the Blue Man Group now? I think. Oh yeah. Do you know he, that? He actually was just on tour with Trans Siberian Orchestra. He does the West Coast. Yeah. I feel like every every band that every member from every band that that doesn't really play that much ends up in the Trans Siberian like whatever the fuck. Or Blue they Man are. Group. <laughs> hey, that guy from Primus is in Blue Man Group, right? Yeah. Yo, let me uh, tell Tama. you, the cousin that I just Tim Herb. Tim yeah, Herb, I did. The cousin that I just mentioned, she had a big crush on Blas Elias. So shout out Who to didn't? him. Who didn't? Yeah, <laughs> fucking straight up. Parker. I mean, Mark Slaughter was always my guy, but you know, I can't deny. That I got the Blas instructional video at home, man. Do you really? Oh yeah. Really? And I will oh, yeah. say, he oh, yeah. still looks good. Yeah. Did you put the mounted drums behind you, dude? And your I love kit it at home. I mean, the, 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 the opening thing. He was just saying, he's just like, you know, the drummer never got the praise that it should. So he used to fucking elevate his toms and the double chinas and the fucking stick twirls and everything. Just so everybody would watch him. Michelle doesn't even yeah. have that video. I know. <laughs> you could borrow it. Don't worry. I skipped out on my SATs to go see Slaughter at um, a place here in Hop Hog. Uh, the jukebox cafe (laughs) they were doing a for the first record uh yeah i think it was first first nicotia first record was huge oh yeah and i remember um i actually like i lied and said i had a death in the family and i legit skipped 
my SATs and went nice. and saw Slaughter. And That's awesome. And signed my arm. I have a photo of oh, it. You God said you damn had it. a death in the family, man. That, yo, <laughs> uh, if anything. I'm telling you, my parents were very, times. very good. You know <laughs> what? <laughs> Like if any, like that's the real shit right there. How many people? Not many people would fucking fake that, except a real fan. My like mom, you God had tunnel vision. Her. She used to, she used to for, she used to make fake IDs for me and my girlfriend, so that when, you know, like when one of them did get a license and we were still not of age to get into beat, like we weren't eighteen but we could drive because we were seventeen or what have you. Right. You know, she she would make fake IDs for us. Yo, shout out out to Rose Rizzo. (laughs) She's the best. Really, she, I got to tell you, you know, if it were not for her and, you know, I probably, they were just so supportive. They really were. And, I, you was know, your I, mom like you back then? Yes, like of course. My up? mom would, you know, used to like chase the Beatles and, you know, huge Elvis fans. So it, growing up, she used to joke around that, you know, it, it, she loved seeing me do all that stuff because it reminded her. Of I thought you were going to say she that. loved seeing Elvis marry a 14 year old. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. Oh, OK. But, you know, it, it was it was very different then. You know, like I think the music scene and the way that we responded to artists, I think, I don't think it's the same. I don't know why, but I think it's... I think it's, everything's different. Everything's different. For, for us, we don't feel that way, but to some 15-year-old kid, that's who we should be asking. Like, how do you feel? He probably feels the same way you do. It's just on a different level. Right. You know, they just... It's... Uh, when when people our age try to decipher it, it's like, you know, it's like my mom trying to figure out, you know, my thing at 15, she just yeah. wasn't going to get it. And it's like, I don't understand like what nine inch nails is. This shit's noise. Yeah. You know, I want to hear Donna summer, whatever the fuck my mom, my mom had the worst taste. of music. <laughs> I will say, I think my parents were disappointed when I finally did get a license. Cause then they stopped having to take me places because I think they, they truly enjoyed it too. I mean, my mom, you know, she would take me and my girlfriends into Manhattan. We'd get on the train and we'd go see like, you know, um, kiss and slaughter and she'd be hanging out in Penn Station at the bars or and she'd see like <laughs> you know then she'd like we'd come out of the show and she'd be like oh she calls me Missy she's like Missy do you know who was just downstairs here at the bar you know like the the roadie or the tour or, or so-and-so from the band or the drummer from the, and, and she would she would actually end up seeing a lot of the band members yeah. because after the shows they would go, you know, they either wouldn't stay backstage. And by the time we got out of the venue and headed wherever we had to go, she was like having drinks with people. So that's amazing. Yeah. Awesome. They were, I, I have to say, I owe a lot to my parents yeah. when it comes to me doing what I do today. So. Yeah. Cause you could, you could have the flip side. You could have had like the dad in the 18 in life, 18 to life video, <laughs> oh, yeah. you know, after the rain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that dad sucked too. Yeah. Actually, every dad in every <laughs> 80s metal sister. video yeah. is always like, turn that <laughs> shit down. Yeah. I told every single one. Not Rose Rizzo. She no. was like, turn that shit up. <laughs> exactly. And really, I mean, we, we, do, we still talk a lot about it because it was a lot of fun. And, and when I got to the age where I didn't need my parents to help me, whether it was stay on a line all night for concert tickets. I think I think she missed it. Yeah. You know, I think she still misses it, and we we talk about it very fondly. What often. about your brother? Did he sell out at any time in his life? What do you mean? Like he was so metal. Oh no! I mean, you know, he did he cut his hair and start listening to like new country or some <laughs> shit. No, he still <laughs> listens to you know probably not as much as I do still, but um, I took him. Where did I just go with him recently, or what did I? What did he? Oh, he just went and saw Def Leppard, so cool. he's still. Okay. He's still. Where was that? It. Still keeping it real. I think it was last year at Jones Beach that he went. Oh, I wanted to go to that. I didn't want to go to that. 
I think yeah. we had that conversation. We Didn't did. they, they played with Poison? Or? I think so. Okay. Yeah. I'm not sure. Why didn't you want to go see Def Leppard? Because I didn't want to go see Poison. <laughs> oh. Good answer. Interesting. Yeah. Poison was opening, right? I of think course. it was a co-bill. Yeah. Really? I think they play probably this, the equal amount of sets, but yeah. I'm, I'm over Poison. Are you? Yeah. I was a fan of Poison, but I didn't love Poison. Like, there's sure. songs that I love, but I'm... I could do without it. You know, like if I, if I hear two songs, I'm like, I'm good. Well, realistically, I mean, you know, you, you, you figure the first record had a couple of hits, a couple of decent songs. I mean, it, you got to love I Won't Forget You. I Won't Forget You. you know. Talk Dirty to Me is pretty, you know, still, it's, it's very simple. Uh, you know, then the second record open up and say, uh, you know, Fallen Angel, nothing but that, a good That time. one's my favorite. That's probably, that probably is my favorite Poison song. Yeah. If I had to pick a Poison Fallen song. Fallen Angel. It'd yeah. Fallen Angel. And then the video, you know, you know, but but then by the time 1990 came around, f- Flesh and Blood, it was kind of like I can't fuck native with those guys at all. Yeah, native. I, yeah, Richie Cotson joined yep. after uh, and C. then C. slept left. with everybody in the band, and then he was out. Well, C. C. Deville's like the worst twice. guitar yeah. player I've ever heard. One of the worst guy. guitar players I've ever heard. Yeah, recorded. worse than Mick Mars. Definitely, <laughs> it's not even close. Okay, <laughs> but um, you're not allowed so, to say that in this house. <laughs> I'm completely joking. As I, as I stare at a Motley Crue picture, I, I still I gotta ask Richie what he thinks about the dirt later on. But, <laughs> we already uh, had that conversation, but you can have it with. Him later. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you know, gro- you know, you, you're going, and uh, how do you start moving the ball towards just making a career? Adam? I started asking any local band that would pay attention to me if I can help them. And when I say help, like I'd be the girl that walked around at shows with, with a clipboard and mm. got mailing addresses so they can send mailers out because it wasn't email at the mm. time. And, and you know, you sent letters. I, I would, I would offer to sell CDs, um, any merchandise. And I sort of built friendships with, with these bands and I became like their little sister and I would just go hang out and, and any chance I got, I would just offer to help. And then, um, it did just, you know what you were doing or did like did you look at it as like a, a, a business plan or like to help the band out? Like you I wanted s- to help the band, you know, yeah. they were my friends. Like I always I always look back and I, I always reference the movie That Thing You Do where they hear their song on the radio for the first so time good. and they're like, Oh my like that was my life with all of my friends. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, like every week it was like, you know, who's like on R C N or B A B, like when they had those local shows when you'd hear your friend's band playing, it was like yeah, and then you know that you had sort of not so much a hands in it because you obviously didn't make the album, but you know you you sell their shirts, or you help yeah. them with stuff. Like it was, you did. It was very absolutely. Um, you know, it was it, it was exciting, and it was absolutely. it was just what I did, and and you know being you know I never pulled the like you know I am female, hear me roar, but you know it was tough being a, a girl, and you know you always got assumed that you were either somebody's girlfriend or somebody in the band wanted to date you, or you wanted to date somebody in the band. And for me, it was these guys were my friends. Like my mom used to laugh because. Again, when I got to the age where, I, you know, I had friends that drove and, and, and I knew people that were slightly older than me, you know, there'd be like four or five guys rolling up to my house and she'd be like, do you have any friends named Jen or any friends named like Melissa? And I'm like, no, you know, because it would be like, you know, Eric and Dennis and Joe and and they just bring me along with them and I would just go and sell their stuff and they'd bring me home. And it was like I had five other brothers all the time, like in all these bands that I would hang out with. And it just kind of went from there. And then when I decided that I really hated school, 
Um, I graduated six months ahead of my class, not because I was smart, but because I always went to class and <laughs> yeah, like how, how do I get this over with quick? <laughs> yeah, I, I always went to class and I had enough credits to graduate. So I graduated six months ahead of my class and went right to college. Um, I went to Five Towns because I wanted to be in the music business in any way I could. So I Which decided, is, Five Towns is a... It's a school in Dix Hills here on Long Island for, for music, for music business, business and, yeah. and music education. I and think we crossed paths. I we, think we were there we at might the have. same time. We might have. I started but in 94. I don't even remember what year and I graduated. I, went, um, I was an audio major, and I, for some reason, thought I'd be cool if I made albums. And at the, back Prince then, Paul too. Paul went there, too. That's what, that's what I did. I went to, to audio school, too, because you, we, I think we all grew up thinking you know a, like even owning a record st- a sh- a shop would be the coolest oh, or yeah. recording music anything to do with music would be the best job uh, especially at that time there was still like a a career path for it you could go it's like hey i'm gonna work at this studio i'm gonna fucking intern for fucking like jimmy ivy and or some shit right. and uh yeah i went to a tech school too uh you know for audio and uh <laughs> i was just kind of I think I went at the time where technology just hit and it was starting to take off and it was just like, I don't know, somewhere along the way, like I just saw the writing on the wall where I'm like, wow, I think in five years, everyone's going to start recording by themselves. Big and, time. Yeah. I remember that like MIDI lab that we had I to like MIDI. sign up for. I had to get like weird hours because everybody's cramming in the work on these computers they have. But like what you were saying, like pretty soon. You know, so you're nine, able to do it all yourself. Yeah, pretty much. In in '94, you said right? '94. I graduated high school in '94, and that's when I started college. Okay, so the music scene was pretty different then too. Like uh, a lot of the bands that you grew up loving, kind of either switched styles. Like that was the year the Motley Crue self-titled came out without Vince Neil, um, and everyone kind of either stopped playing or changed their sound. Do you remember that? Probably not really because I still listened, but I also ended up listening to other things and and different kinds like of music. What? I was that girl that ended up really liking singer songwriters, so I ended up listening to guys like Edwin McCain and things like that. And then, of course, then there was the bands like Live and um, you know Jim Blossoms, and so I I always listened. To, you know, I still always love the hair metal or the glam metal, but. I listened to bands like then it was Stone Temple Pilots. So it was it was things like that. So, um, but I never for me never thought like you know metal's dead or glam is dead because it just I I still listened. I didn't really right. care, you know, if no one else was listening to it. That's true. <laughs> I didn't care either. You know, I really didn't, and I <laughs> yeah. and obviously I still don't. Still don't. <laughs> but but like when Vince Neil left the band and John Karabi joins, you didn't feel any type of way. Well, I think I've I think I've told you I I wasn't a crew fan the way my husband's a crew fan like yeah. I jumped on board during like the Dr. Feelgood era where you know of course as a kid you know Motley Crue and you know the songs and you love you, you know who doesn't love Shadow of the Devil who doesn't love Home Sweet Home but I they weren't one of my favorites so yeah. it didn't matter to me what so any <laughs> did anyone lose a member that mattered to you only when Richie Sambora left Bon Jovi and that was in the 90s <laughs> <laughs> Let's 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 talk let's talk about that for a minute. So he never came back. Do you, what, what was the reason that he left? Probably just because they just did. I'm not a, Richie Sambora. I don't know. No, but I'm saying he I never thought, came back. He never gave like a, a like a statement about it or anything. It was just 
I think there was talk about, obviously he's had substance abuse issues, but who knows if that was it or if it was just he got burnt out. I don't, I don't know. They don't really talk about it. They don't. You know? They don't, actually. I read uh, Lita Ford's book, and she, she got both of them. Nice. John <laughs> and Richie. Nice. So maybe, it, maybe it has something to do with her. Yeah. It was beef. Maybe. I don't I know throw, where it was, but let's, let's throw that rumor hers. out there. For sure. <laughs> she got hers. <laughs> but, uh, and that's a band that really started changing their sound a lot, right? Don't, aren't they essentially like a, a different band? They're not even like the same band. Are you talking about like now? Yeah. Huh? Completely, like they, they walk fit. the line of like country almost. Yeah, I was now, gonna say they, they kind of do that like alt country kind of sound. Yeah. I mean, but you know I they they know much, you know they started that um, you know with the with you know who says you can't go home and you know so they that's with, a great you know, song. When they did with Jennifer Nettles, but um, you know but I gotta say like you know it's like they're not you know Cinderella did it long before they did so mm-hmm. I'm not really sure why yeah you know it didn't really bother me that they did it it just does anything bother you. Sometimes, All but right, just making sure, you know. But yeah, just, just going. So, from uh, fr- from five towns, what do you do? I graduate, and then I get a job five days later at the Westbury Music Fair as their secretary. Nice. Yep. Wow. What did the What did that consist of? I exactly? actually, um, I actually went there. I I got a call from the career center saying that they were looking for somebody. They needed a marketing assistant. And the woman at the career center was like, go in an interview. I'm like, I don't know shit about marketing. I'm like, I don't have a marketing degree. I'm like, I have a business degree and an audio degree. She's like, just go interview. You need a job. It's <laughs> so like, all right. Nothing like, you know, being unprepared. So I go and I interview. And it was right at the time when Westbury Music Fair was this mom and pop organization. And they were just purchased by Delsner Slater. And... Of course, you know, as a kid and you go to all these concerts, whose name is on every ticket? Right. Ron Delsner or Ron Delsner Presents or Delsner Slater. So, of course, I knew who they were and I knew what it was. And I remember sitting across from the marketing director in the interview and he's like, oh, we just got purchased by a new company. I'm like, oh, I know, you know, I think Miss Know It all, like Delsner Slater and all my concert stubs. And, you know, like I was acting like I knew everything <laughs> except what he wanted me to know, yeah. um, which was marketing, um, even though I interned at a... Um, a couple of rap labels when I was um, in college. Yo. Yeah. Really? I'm not Where? kidding. I worked Which at, um, so it was relativity. Priority? No, it was relativity records. And it was right when it switched over from hair metal yeah. to eight ball and MJG and bone thugs and harmony. And so um, terrible shit, <laughs> but it's an interesting um, shift. Yeah. yeah. But what's, right in, what's really funny though, is that like when they were going through like this shift, they were trying to get rid of all of their hair metal shit. So like they used to give me all these like um, negatives from like photo shoots of like Steve I and like Shaka Messiah. I, I don't have Shaka them anymore. Messiah. I'm not even kidding, but like that was like all these, that was like what was on that label. And like Shaka I remember Messiah. the, I remember Michelle, like the we press. have a box full of uh, <laughs> Bang Tango bumper stickers. Would you like them? But like I remember she gave them all to me and I, 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 I definitely don't have them anymore, but I just Are you remember. sure she didn't just ask you to throw them out for her? <laughs> <laughs> probably and I was yeah. like I'm totally keeping these like you know like little Steve Vai um, like the little negatives from like the from the from his photo shoots but then I, I would spend all like the only marketing experience I had was putting together um, Bone Thugs and Harmony press kits and you know back then it was like the big folder mm-hmm. and you would take like the press sheet the 8 by 10 the quotes and then you know like whatever other crap they'd stick in there, like a sticker, and it would be like an assembly line of like 
filling all this stuff. And that was send the radio stations. Yep. And whatnot. Yeah. And yeah, then yeah. like I would have to label them all. And then I would I, I got I did like the same exact thing in Ireland, except we had insane <laughs> yeah. clown posse at the time. That's what I was stuffing envelopes. With. So like yeah. that was the legit Malenko. the only marketing experience <laughs> <Great>. I had. <laughs> and, like, and I remember sitting in this interview and he's like, you know, so do you write press releases? I'm like, no. <laughs> I don't know why I'm here. When we when we first met each other, like uh, Michelle and I, we uh, just kept like telling each other like obscure metal bands for some reason. <laughs> like we would just text each we other. Try to, we try to out hair metal. Yeah, yeah, because right. <laughs> yeah, we listed everything, and then we hair would off. like. Yeah, we would like run out and like I would text her and I would write sleaze bees, I win. <laughs> and I'd be like, kick Tracy, I win. <laughs> 21 guns, I win. <laughs> but this is like, I'll be our only conversation. would be like, what? Like, yeah. A name. <laughs> I'll be, I'll think of something. This was before like Google was really popping. You know? Yeah. Really, and then I'd respond with like a song skills. from whatever band he mentioned. He's yeah. like, God damn it. <laughs> but sleaze yeah, bees would, was just that's like, that's great. I haven't heard that. Messiah. <laughs> <laughs> Every fucking band that you that would you know like oh tough was another tough. one where like mm. st- like Stevie Rochelle or whatever whatever his name was. Um, there were so many. So okay, so you get this job or you, yeah, or you, well I didn't get the job. That's the funny part. Oh. So I. <laughs> but that's how you got to do. Like when someone says, "Do you know how to do something?" You just say yes, and you just shoot those dice. No, I was like no. So I leave that interview. <laughs> I leave that interview, and like a week later, um, not even. I, again, you know, there's, people aren't emailing, you know, you're really not emailing and, and, and it's all, you know, no one's really got a cell phone. So I remember like going home and checking my, my, my answering machine and it's the guy from Westbury and I call him back and he's like, you know, listen, I loved your interview. I think you were so great, but you have absolutely no marketing experience and we hired somebody who does. And I was like, okay, fair enough. No big deal. (laughs) Whatever. Hang up the phone. About an hour later, I get a call and it's from the general manager of Westbury Music Fair. And he's like, oh, hey, so um, I know you met with Dan earlier this week and he absolutely loves you. And it turns out my secretary just quit and you have the job if you want. Just come in on Monday. I was like, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah, But meanwhile, you know, bratty me was like fucking secretary. I'm like, Mm -hmm. I just went to school to be a secretary, like a like a receptionist. Like, Mm -hmm. what the fuck? But I was like, all right. And that's how that happened. So I ended up going to Westbury Music Fair like five or six days legit out of college and I get this job and I'm working there and and it's really it's a lot of fun and I was working there at the time where a lot of these um, artists were either up and coming so like you know people like Kevin James would come in like he'd get booked on a show and he'd come in and he'd be like hey can I show my like cousin this place like I'm so excited I'm I'm playing this really cool room you know and like I'd give him tours of Westbury Music Fair and you know, guys like Paul Anka would call every day and like the old school crooners like Jerry Vale and... Um, what the and hell would they say? Just <laughs> call on. But it was funny because like me being like this, this, me being like this rock girl, I was like, I'm working at a place with music my parents like. Like it wasn't yeah. very, it wasn't cool for me. Yeah, like I was right. like, this is the most uncool place I could po- I could did, possibly did, be working. Did you know kind of like what you wanted to do? Like like a no. five... No, you just figured... No, I, I really didn't think that I was... Um, you know, I knew I, I didn't want to do audio because I, I truly didn't think I had the ear for it. You know, like I hated being in the studio and I, and I hate to say this too, like, you know, I was disrespected a lot. You know, again, you walk in and it was like, well, who are you sleeping with? And I'm oh like, my God. and I'm like, yeah, I guess. And I'm like, nobody. Well, who do you, you know, like it was, it was really, you know, I hate to say it. It was that kind of culture and it was that kind of environment. And, and, you know, it gets, it breaks you down after a while. Or you're just like, forget it, you know, but 
I'm working at Westbury Music Fair and the woman who was like kind of coordinating all the shows, like she was like the coordinating assistant and booked opening acts and family shows. Um, she ended up um, t- moving and they needed to hire somebody for that position. And I was like, oh, I want that position. And my boss at the time was like, no, because he only saw me as a secretary. And I was like, no, 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 I, I could do this job. It's going to be great. I'm like, I already know. I'm like, who do you think is processing all your contracts anyway? Like when, when she's out to lunch or she's like, I'm the one doing all of her work, which I was, you know, because I was, I was that like, it was almost like the intern, like here, you do all the shit work I don't want to do. So I did everything. And I was, I was the gatekeeper. You know, they didn't have direct lines at the time. So anyone that called got me. Mm-hmm. So I knew everybody and I, w- I talked to everybody. And the, <laughs> my boss at the time interviewed literally every other person in the company through all of like Delsner Slater and other branches, like other venues. And nobody wanted to work for the $20,000 a year that they were offering for that position. And then it Except finally you. came to me. Nice. And then I ended up being the coordinator, talent coordinator at Westbury Music Fair. And I had that job for close to three years before the Coliseum called me. Yeah, the Coliseum, because that's, that's where that's I met That's when we you. met. That's where we met. You were working at Nassau Coliseum. And uh, what, what was that job like? That job was hell. I, I hated every ounce of that job. I hated every single person that I worked there with. <laughs> yeah, I, shout out to Nassau College. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I got to tell you, um, it was a, the most unpleasant experience I had, but I, you know, I don't think that that regime is there anymore, so yeah. that's great. But um, my job there was really, um, I booked a lot of the exhibition hall stuff, so the, the Children's Expo, the Circus, Disney on Ice, um, and then I would spend a lot of time on the phone with both promoters so a tour is going out and I get a phone call from one promoter going hey do you have the string of dates you know can we hold them and then 10 minutes later I get a call from the other promoter hey I need the string of dates because they would be bidding for the tour Uh, and you know for this yeah for whatever what what are some cool shows that you remember that went through there um when I was there like Justin Timberlake was big at the time uh uh, not Blink-182. Oh, I don't remember. I mean, um, Metallica. I did a couple of Metallica shows there, I remember. Um, you get to hang out, right? Show plays? You yeah, I, I got to hang out. I was fortunate enough. Lars that, a dick? Um, I don't know. I haven't met oh. Metallica, but, you know. <laughs> I like, haven't met them. You can make yeah. it up. No. Um, but I, I also, you know, when I worked at Westbury Music Fair, I spent three years at Jones Beach. That okay. was fun. Yeah. I met a lot of people at that job. but And that... That was another job I got on accident because um, at the time, before sponsorships were super big, and when sponsorship was really coming into play, um, Levi's wanted, I guess, sponsored something at Jones Beach, and there was a stage that they literally put in front of bathrooms, in front of Gate G, and they called it the Levi's First Stage. And this, the bands that played on that stage legit played like, before doors opened or something like that or like they would open the doors at like five and the band would go on at like 5 30 and the show would start at eight and were people still like sweeping and the idea (laughs) the idea of the stage was they wanted local talent and at the time hey let me get you on to play to two people is this cool yeah and at the the time jones beach had this general manager who they brought in from north carolina who was who was supposed to book that stage but he's like i don't know any local bands and and he worked in the fall, he worked out of Westbury Music Fair because that was at like they that was at the time that like you know they again like Live Nation or Clear Channel you know just sort of like took over 
whatever company, and sure. then they also took over Jones Beach. So um, this general manager was working out of the West Bay Music Fair offices, and he was just some guy from North Carolina, and he's like, I got to book these bands. I'm like, I could do it. I could do it. And he's like, okay, but I can't pay you. I'm like, I don't care. And I had to go and persuade my boss at Westbury well, it, it to let me leave at like three in the afternoon. Cause like, I'd be like, can I go do this? And he's like, really? I'm like, but come on, it'd be so fun. And, and you know, so I would like go to Westbury from like 10 to three and then I'd roll out to Jones beach and get there at like three thirty, quarter to four. And I would, I book all my friends bands on awesome. that like yeah you, it was you, very popular for a while yeah you would book your like he, here you are basically what you wanted to do maybe like 10 years prior to that which is to basically help now you're you've infiltrated you know the system <laughs> yeah. and you're able to really help on that level to to get you know your friends to some yeah and they people. didn't care that they were playing in front of a bathroom they were like oh <laughs> shit we're playing in jones beat like <laughs> it doesn't matter it yeah. did not matter like it didn't i'll not play there tomorrow matter. yeah no like question. nobody cared and and it was so fun. And that was the first year I did it. The second year, booking agents started to get smart about the stages and started to realize they existed. So what they started doing was when they'd book the tours, they would book their baby bands and say like, well, if my act is playing Jones Beach, we want this smaller act to play on that small stage. So it wasn't as many local bands, but then I was working with bands like Lifehouse and Jason Mraz, like, and they would play on these stages and they'd come back like every couple of shows like depending on what tour they so I like I did like three or four shows with Lifehouse at the time when no one knew who they were um Jason they Mraz, still like, but I mean like but at the time like <laughs> See, when hang, but like at the time like Hanging By A Moment had sort of just broken and, and um you know here they are like playing in front of a bathroom <laughs> <laughs> like, now what was the better band Firehouse or Lifehouse ooh you know they both have those those love ballads, but I would have to. Don't go treat me bad. Was a good song though. I'm gonna. I'd have to go at Firehouse. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, better hair, <laughs> for sure. That curly hair. Yeah. When when me and Michelle met, um, I don't know what happened, but like, uh, I went to go see Saw. Okay. When we first. <laughs> <laughs> Why I did, don't like horror movies. Why did you agree like I, to see I Saw? What, I, don't, I didn't know what it was. Yeah. I, also I think, guess like, that was my fault. Yeah, and I think that like, you know, I was like out of a relationship and I was like, I wanted friends, I wanted to hang out yeah. and like, you know, I was like kind of mopey and, and here's my friend Sam like, come to the movies with me. Yeah. Okay. Come see Saw. Fucking asshole. I, you know, in my defense, <laughs> it was the first... It wasn't like it was Saw 7 where I knew what Could I was getting Could have been a into. documentary about like power tools <laughs> yeah. or hardware. Uh, and when we, you know, we watched it and I just remember leaving there. She's like, I fucking hate you. I, She's was, like, like, I was like, I'm never talking to you again. Dude, yeah. I'm not your it's friend. Because <laughs> <laughs> I am like a, a big baby and I do not like, uh, you know, my husband loves horror movies. Like he'll watch I all that crap. I should have taken him. You should have. <laughs> but like legit, I, even, even like if we're home, like he'll watch all that crap when I'm at work because yeah. I just will not do it. I, I love that story. C- can you explain how you met him? My husband? Yeah, your husband and later on met him again. (laughs) So, yeah. So I was that kid again, you know, hanging out in the bars and the clubs. And I think Richie and I met a very long time ago when I was about 16 or 17 at um, Sparks. Richie, we we met at Sparks, right? The Roxy? Roxy? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Phil Lewis, the Roxy. See, my husband knew. I, I have memories of meeting him earlier, but either way. So we'd always remain friends and 
um, we'd go see all these shows together. You know, he's he was a big Warrant fan, and and as am I. So like, you know, when we were younger, we would just meet up with like just groups of, again, groups of people. Like I, majority of the people I hung out with were were men. I didn't really have a lot of girlfriends, so you know, again, my mom's like, really, Michelle? Which like, is, you know, yeah, which is weird because I mean, like all those bands that you like are very girl friendly. It wasn't like you were going to see Exodus. I just for some, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I just I had all my friends were guys. Like, yeah. I just I was like everyone's little sister, and I was also the one like always, you know, never. You know, I was always single and I was always like, I'd be the girl that they come to. Like if a girl was bothering them, then I'd be the girlfriend. Oh, this is my girlfriend, Michelle. No, I'm not. Yeah, you are. Okay. Like that was me, like with every friend. So we met. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I was, I was like the honorary girlfriend when they didn't want to hang out with a chick at a bar. Um, and we just like always stayed friends and, and we, we always hung out with one another and, you know, all through, all through the years and, and met up at shows and then, you know, you, you get older and life changes and we lost touch for about two years and I came out of a really terrible relationship and then we got reacquainted at a Sebastian Bach concert. Of course. Of course. And it was hair metal bliss ever since. Yeah. Yeah, nice. I will say like I'm, I I I I partnered very well. Yeah. I, I, I do. I did. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you marry anyone at a Sebastian Bach concert, well, we didn't get married at a Sebastian Bach concert. Ah, listen, but for we... for the sake of the podcast, that's what happened. Yeah. Got down on one knee or proposed. To <laughs> we did get engaged after a Bon Jovi concert, though. All right, but not at the concert. Was Richie playing guitar? No. You know what's funny? That was actually right when. That was the con- that was the year that was when he just left the band, and I didn't sell my tickets because I was like, ah, you know, I guess we'll still go. And I was so mad the whole night because I was like, this sucks. Betrayed and it's not ri- him. I was like, it's not Richie. And then I remember, see- like, we went to that show, and it was like, I was so upset about it because I was just like, it's never gonna be the same. And I had tickets for a show like <laughs> a couple months later. That the next day, I was like, f this, and I sold those tickets, and I've never, I have not seen Bon Jovi since. But who uh, stepped in for him? Who played? Uh, I think X. it was just some who. Is it Phil, Phil X, Richie? Bon Jovi. Yeah. Phil X, yeah. All right, let me Google Phil X. Should I just have my husband up here with no us? Idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got it. We got to ask <laughs> him. Own a friend. So, um, yeah, get get him up here actually, because I, I want to. No. <laughs> <laughs> he won't do it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I, I thought that was a great story because I saw the pictures. You posted some pictures. You yeah, know, we have like the before and after from when we were 17 yeah. um, to, you know, photos of obviously of us current, which yeah. which was fun. Absolutely. So, yeah, a lot of fun. Um, so, yeah, moving forward, you know, you ended up leaving, um, you know, Nassau Coliseum where you got fired. I got fired. That's right. Mm. How'd that happen? My boss hated me. He must have really hated And I really him. hated him. And what did, what was, did you do yeah. to get fired? I didn't do anything. He, we just, we were like oil and water. When I, when I got offered that job, I turned it down. And because when it was offered to me, he wanted a secretary. And I actually, I was, I was four years in at Westbury and, and the, the, I'm thankful because the person that I worked for at Westbury never treated me like a secretary, you know, like I didn't fax things for him. I didn't get him coffee. I didn't type his letters, you know, like he, he really gave me the tools to, to do the, you know, to do what I do now. And, you know, when I interviewed at, at West, at, at uh, the Coliseum, you know, he was just kind of like, he wanted a secretary. And I was like, I, I don't really want, I, I, I'm capable of more, you know, like, I don't want that. You did that already. Yeah. yeah. I said, you know, like, I, I really, there's other things that I'd be good at. Like, I don't want to type your letters. Cause it was really kind of what he said. And, and some people, I'm sure that would work on other people, but like you, you know, someone like you is super strong, 
uh, very driven. I think, yeah, because some people would probably eat that and fucking live a life of that, but that's not what I did. I didn't want to do it, and I turned the job down, and three days later he called me back, and he said, well, they want you, meaning the company that they want you because you came, you're from Live Nation, and you know, um, because I think at the time when I was leaving, Live Nation just bought Clear Channel, so. Shout out to Christian. (laughs) So um, they were like, they were, he was like, I, they want you because you know the people at Live Nation. And I think he felt it would help them get, the, like, because I knew the people in the Live Nation office that were calling me for avails. So I guess they felt that I would have some leg up. I don't know. But the day that I walked in for the job, he, he's like, oh, so can you go get me coffee? And I looked at him. I said, no, I'm not getting you coffee. And it was kind of like that battle the entire time. And he was from the Midwest, and he was kind of like, a little slower paced and he wasn't as aggressive and I just we just didn't get towards Italian we just we just didn't get (laughs) we just didn't get along and um a lot of my job was booking the exhibition hall and the other part of my job was booking the islander um ice time so it would be booking all of their games their home games and their ice time for practice time so when hockey that was the year hockey went on strike so when hockey went on strike he felt that that was a good way to get rid of me because he said the only job I did was schedule ice time. So when they brought me in to let me go, they actually like said, well, there's nothing for you to do now since there's no hockey. I was like, all right. And and that was it. So here, I mean, and, and that must have been, or maybe I assume because... That was heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. Oh my right? god, it was it, terrible. You hear you, and they what? walked me out with security, like, what? like five foot two. What am I gonna do? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> they like uh, legit walked me, like had I'm security not do... walk me out. I'm making sure you aren't stealing any post its or anything. Yeah, you weren't gonna steal like uh, the Frankie Benali symbol <laughs> on the, off the wall. Well, you know what's really funny? So, so year, so years later, when they decided to renovate, a friend of mine was working there when they started to do the renovation and she fucking took the Bon Jovi framed yeah. poster that they had there and gave it to me. Nice. She's like, this is for you. You All fucking right. deserve it. Where is it on the wall? Where like, is it? Where is it on the wall? That's actually in my garage. Oh, okay. We haven't put that out yet. Okay. One day, one day we'll <laughs> But put it was like, out. it was kind of like the, like the, the last like, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, like I said, heartbreaking because I, I think for someone like if I put myself in your shoes, I don't know. Nassau Coliseum is a Long Island staple. And if oh, you yeah. live on Long Island and yeah. you love music and it's something that you wanted to do as far as like the business side of it, it just seemed like a good place to be at, a good place to keep your foot in, uh, especially with Live Nation coming in. So what did you feel like? Like, did you just feel like, okay, Oh, I felt this- like I peaked at 27. I was like, I had been at the trilogy, like I was Westbury. Jones Beach Coliseum like I was I had all three I was like what do I do now like where do you go because at the time also you got to think about this on Long Island there weren't 15 other rooms there weren't 15 other places to go see live music like there is now so for me I was like where the fuck am I gonna go like what am I gonna do I you know for some strange reason I had this career path that never brought me into Manhattan so I was this I was like, did you try would you have gone yeah, like, no, like when when I, or um, no, oddly enough, like after that, I, I toyed with the idea of going to booking agencies because I had a few friends, 
um, who were working at booking agencies who were like, yeah, you know, we'll bring you on board. But I, I didn't like it. I didn't, I, I, it didn't interest me. I didn't want to be the person that booked bands in a bunch of, like, I wanted to stay with live music. So I just, I didn't know what there was for me. And I took a job waiting tables at a Shout friend's restaurant. Cherrywood. Cherrywood, yeah. Cherrywood and Wontong. You know, Dave from my band still calls you Cherrywood Michelle. <laughs> and, you know, and I, I owe, you know, those guys were like my saving grace at the time. You know, they took this, this kid, you know, I know, waited a table. What the fuck did I know about food service? I, I never did that in my entire life. And they took me under their wing and they treated me like family and they were so good to me. And I just kept looking and looking to, for work and and then I toyed with the idea of of going west. You know, I had a lot of friends that were moving to Reno. I don't know why Reno, but I had friends that were in this band and they took themselves that way and I oh, was like what band was that? Yeah, I don't talk about that. No, but I mean Imagine like that, Dragons? No, <laughs> no, I mean that it that doesn't really matter, but like it's um I I was like, well, you know, I'll go to Reno and I'll I'll go to Vegas. There's so, you know, like I could do anything there, you know, like I it's there's it's just 24 seven of everything that I do. So I went out to Reno for a little bit, a couple weeks with my girlfriend and, you know, really gave it thought. And then I came home and when I came home, um, I had a friend who I was using her office to send resumes. Cause you got to remember again, it really wasn't like we weren't really doing email a lot and resumes were still being faxed places. And I was using her fax machine. I can't out. wait to get to the part of the story where we use email because I feel like we've, we haven't been using email. <laughs> we have, right yeah, yeah, like it. But yeah, I remember like this was like 15 years ago that I started working at the Bolton Center. And wow, time flies. Yeah, Holy it was. Shit. You know, it was like 2005 that I got that job there. So yeah. like 2004 ish. You know, like um, you know, I was using her fax machine to fax resumes, and she, I, I didn't know what the Bolton Center was, and. Um, I get a, I, I come back from Reno and I get a call from this woman and she's like, oh yeah, I got your resume. I'm like, oh, excuse me. And it was from the Bolton Center. And I call my friend Beth and I'm like, so I got a call from this place. She's like, oh yeah, I sent you, I sent your resume there. I'm like what? And she sent my resume to the Bolton Center and I went in and I interviewed and they sat me down and they're like, well, it's really weird because we have this theater and we're a, a nonprofit. So I'd never come from a nonprofit sector. And they were like, we didn't know that there was somebody like you who does this kind of job because we were gifted this theater and the person who's currently programming it for us is a volunteer. And in nonprofit world, volunteers are people who obviously volunteer their time. They're, they're vested in it for the community, for the better good. And they were like, and we would really prefer that our volunteer doesn't do this anymore because they have other things to do. You know, like we, we'd rather their focus be on other things and not this theater. And they were like, and we, we got your resume and sort of, it was sort of like right place at the right time. And they, they didn't really know what to do with me. And, um, I went, um, on nine interviews for that job and they, they brought me in in February and I, and I got the job July and it wow. took, yeah. Nine. So it was, yeah, it was nine interviews. It was like first, first the executive director, then it was the executive director, their assistant, then it was like the the one person on the board, then it was like the chairman of the board, then it was the entire board of directors, and you know, like it was. Then they had to create the position. There was no position. They didn't even know what that position was. 
So yeah, that's, because what was the theater doing before you got there? It was doing stuff that I was that I was doing, but on a, a, a little bit of a smaller. Like they were doing singer songwriter stuff. They weren't really doing full band productions. They they were doing a lot of esoteric stuff, like very cultural, um, cultural arts driven, and then some of the um, you know seventies singer songwriter stuff that the volunteer was was programming at the time, and you know, they, they took a chance on like this 27 year old kid that really that time I bullshitted my way in. And I was nice. like, they were like, do you know how to do this? Yes, I do. Yeah. yeah. yeah Cause at that Less point you're way. like, yeah, you're thinking like, fuck it. Like what's the worst that could Yeah. I was like, what's going to happen? You're like, this what's the worst? Fire me. Yeah, yeah. You know? And yeah. I had, you know, I, I, at that time I think my resume was fairly impressive for some, and I had a really good list of references. Like, and they called every single one of them. <laughs> Every, you know, like I had booking agents. They called me. <laughs> exactly. They were like, don't take her to see Saw. Yeah. <laughs> but in all fairness, we did go see Crash, which was great. That's a good movie. And then we saw Napoleon Dynamite as That's well. Right. Uh, That's right. That's right. Probably the up. three times I've ever been to the movies. I made, <laughs> up, I made up for it. I made up for it. <laughs> yeah. So but, that's, and then, you know, I've been there 15 years now. Yeah. So oh. doing your thing there and, you know, somewhere along the way. We decided to, to, you know, mesh the podcast with the venue um, and show some classic movies. And, uh, you know, not everyone. The fact that I got to show a movie as obscure as Red, not Red River, uh, Midnight Madness. <laughs> like, I was like, OK, I got this. Like, that's that's all I care about. And, uh, you know, it's been great, right? Like, yeah, it's, it's been fun. amazing. It's fun to watch those movies with a group of people. On a yeah. big screen again, because you don't get those opportunities anymore, you know? Maybe just in your home, you pop a DVD in, but it's, it's fun to go back there. and Go back there, and the yeah. thing is, is like, which is smart, is we do it on a Wednesday, or you do it on a Wednesday, and, you know, I, I think that's great because you don't really compete with anything. You know, the appeal to show a movie that you could watch on TV or whatever streaming service... Um, if you do that like on a Friday or Saturday, some people are going to be like, well, I got plans. You know, mm -hmm. if you do it on a Wednesday, you go, um, you know, we just did the burbs and I've seen the burbs, but still you watch it with people and you, you laugh yeah. like it's like the first time because it's so, I don't know, maybe it's like a yawn, you know, like when someone yawns, everyone else yawns. Like I just laugh. <laughs> like I know it's coming and I know it's going to happen yeah. and it's still fun to do. To, to basically pick these movies. Uh, I, I don't know what we have next. Uh, My Blue Heaven. My I Blue think, Heaven right? is next. Yeah. yeah. No. Actually. Three o'clock high. Three o'clock high. high. Oh, yes. Ooh, yes. We are so getting fired. My Blue Heaven's after. My Blue Heaven's in right? May. Have you seen Three O'Clock High? That's the only movie in the series I have not seen. Oh, oh and The Burbs. So I've never seen The Burbs. Such, you could stay. Three O'Clock so High is such a slept on. It's amazing. Classic of the era. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, so my my girlfriend usually like whenever I I like randomly put on an eighties movie because uh, she's eight years younger. Um, yeah, she's just like listen, eight years younger. If I was twenty, yeah, that's one thing. But like I'm four, I'm, I'm forty one. You know, <laughs> she's no spring chicken either by this point. But uh, I'll slap him for that, Karen. So uh, she doesn't listen to this show. <laughs> Trust me. Uh, but you you. Uh, Three o'clock high. Oh yeah, three o'clock high. high is one of those movies. Like I put on. I tried to get her to watch The Legend of Billie Jean. Oh, so oh, good. Certain, we got to do that one. Certain movies, and she just like looks at me like I don't like. I'll stare at my phone. I'll, <laughs> I'll fucking kiss my dog a hundred times. Nope. Occasionally look at the fucking TV. But with three o'clock high, we were watching it. And she's like, "This is really good." Yeah. So that was what really made me want to push. 
to put that on. Then Can't Buy Me Love, which was a suggestion for her. And yeah, that's, that's her one. and I movie, yeah. That's another great one. Yeah. And uh, the staple is always Jaws. The staple is always Jaws, and the staple is always Christmas Vacation. Yeah. You do very well. Yeah, those are, people look for that. I mean, I've been, uh, you guys just came on board with this series about a year ago with me, right? A year or two? or Sometime last but year. But we've actually been doing this series for eight years. Wow. So, yeah. Which was cool because you told me the, the guy next door. Yeah, so it originally developed with um, a guy named Bobby G who owns the Cortland and um, South, South Shore, Shore Dive. Dive. Yep. Very awesome guy. And, you know, again, same age demographic. And he was always looking for ways to... Um, hey, Rizzo. Yeah, that's pretty much what it was. <laughs> like, he, he was always looking for ways to do things and, and, and be community-driven and, you know... Um, and partner with, you know, the local, with the area. And he came to me one day and he was like, hey, Rizzo, you know, it'd be great. Because that's how he sounds. Rizzo, you know, it'd be great. And I'm like, what, Bobby G? And he's like, we got to show movies here that, like, you and I used to love when we were kids. And I was like, okay, why not? And we started it and it was, like, the Goonies and we did Back to the Future and then we did Back to the Future 2 and then we did Back to the Future on Future Day. So we did all... We've done all of it. So, um, and then, you know, he got busy with his other endeavors, but I chose to keep the series going because I really believe in it and I love it. And it, and again, it's, it's, I feel like it's part of my childhood and, and you know, especially like somebody like my brother who's two years younger A than lot. I am. He's, he, he collects stuff like Brian Parker does. Yeah, my brother loves movie props and he creates movie props and awesome. he collects movie props and... Um, in the beginning when we were doing the series and I'd love to try to get him incorporated again, but you know, he's got so much stuff from like, uh, the Goonies and back to the future that when we would show the movies, he'd come and display his props and people would take pictures with them. Oh, cool. You know, like he would have like, you know, data's jacket. So like, <laughs> would, like so yeah, sick. you know, he's got the map that, that like, eyes. you know, yeah. he's got the map <laughs> that Sean Astin like signed framed and like people, you know, he's got like this one eyed Willie thing that he made and, you know, but then like with back to the future, he had originally, he had, he had bid on a pair of those Nikes, um, and he had them for when we did, I think, Future Day. And people came and took pictures with them. And then he sold them. But, um, you know, he loves all that stuff. So I'd love to get back to start doing that again. But that that series has been going for a long time. Oh, wow. I don't think people, people, I think, just assume we just started, right. it just started up. But we've been doing it for a while. And some just became so ingrained in who we are that we just keep doing it like Jaws and Christmas Vacation. Yeah, so those, those are always... And, and people, they ask for it now. They're like, when are you showing Jaws? When are you showing Christmas Vacation? The same fucking month we show it every year. <laughs> right? You haven't figured out it's fucking July and fucking December? <laughs> Jesus Christ. But that, but that's a big one for us. We love them. Um, does your brother watch the Goldbergs? Because He, he does. He okay. absolutely it's does. Fucking, okay, good. It sounds like so. Yes. Because when you were describing those things, I was just picturing like Barry or Adam from like the show, like with. Oh, he is all about. I don't know why I cannot get into that show, but he is all about that show. Really? I I I I haven't got into it either. I hate. I'm so sorry. Adam's bedroom is like. I'm so sorry. Like I hate it. I hate that show. Is it the voice? I don't know what it is, and I try. Like sometimes it's on at night, and I'll put it on. I'm just like I can't. I think it's her. I don't like Beverly Goldberg. Oh, holy shit. She's and like, I hate the sister. Oh, yeah, <laughs> Beverly. Oh, for two. Beverly Goldberg. And is, I hate the bro- I, I just uh, hate that show. Uh, you hate the show. Hate I the, just hate the, like the show. Dad. Listen, uh. Beverly Goldberg to me is the greatest sitcom mom of all time. What? Yeah. Well, geez. 
over Mrs. Seaver, over fucking uh, Mrs. Keaton. Meredith Baxter Bernie? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. For, Come on, man. Yo, Beverly Goldberg is the best. She is so, she makes the show. Her and the grandfather. So it's funny to hear that. Cops. Claire Huxtable? <laughs> Guys still fighting for it. Come on. <laughs> but my brother does love that show. Uh, but the series, go, like going back to that, like the series is so great because like my brother now who has kids, you know, he can bring his kids to the, you know, to see it on the big screen the way he did, you know. So like if we show The Goonies or if we show, um, you know, Christmas Vacation, you know, he can bring his son or his daughter and, and you know, my brother-in-law you know brought my niece to christmas vacation and it's it, you know you get to experience that now with your your family you, you get know, to play aunt for a few i always play aunt mm-hmm. yeah. fucking best aunt yeah, yeah. Oh, it's right. the best it's best not to have i your give own them back kids. yeah, yeah <laughs> that's it <laughs> that's it knock on wood so great when i'm like have fun <laughs> yeah have fun he's like yeah i think your kid shit himself on that. <laughs> <laughs> but okay cool that's the you know uh, up to date the story of i know how it was long met. sorry no no not no. at all cool um I know Parker went to a convention this weekend. Any fantastic stories in uh, that, that notebook of yours? <laughs> yeah, fant- I don't know about fantastic. Um, we only want the fantastic. Only one. the fantastic part. Okay. Uh, well, it started off, I get there, and it's supposed to be 25 bucks for parking, so I give the guy 25 bucks. <laughs> he, pre- he proceeds to hand me back 5 bucks, and he goes, hang on a second, let me get you some more change. So I say, okay. So then he hands me a receipt with 19 more dollars. So I was like, oh, pretty cool. Parking for eight hours for a dollar. All right, I'll take it. Park the car, and uh, I get a text from Dan Tur that literally says, I'm right behind you, but nine out of ten times when somebody says, I'm right behind you, that's the same guy that says I'm five minutes away, but he's really a half an hour away. Well, lo and behold, Dan Tur was right behind me. He got very upset that I didn't wait for him. Uh, got online, got my ticket, and then somehow I totally missed the security booth and just walked right inside. So I meet up with Terror, and he's uh, he's bitching about the price of uh, parking, and I'm going not the price of oil. No, I said, hey, I said a dollar is pretty good. He goes, I don't know how the fuck you got away with a dollar because the fucking guy charged me twenty five bucks. So anyway, <laughs> so I don't know. So lo and behold, so I get in there, ten fifteen door doors open at ten. I'm online at ten fifteen. Um, for my first uh, autograph, was, which was Felissa Rose, and she's from Sleepaway Camp. She looks like she's half asleep. She's, Does she still have a dick? Uh, I don't know, but she looked pretty good. So if she did, whatever. Have you ever seen you, you see sleep? Of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Nah. Yeah. So I. Uh, she's married to that guy in him, right? Still. Oh, is she? No, I think she's divorced twice now. But oh, okay. God bless. Well, that not is him. Not that him. Is, uh, CKY. Oh, CKY. Okay. Yeah. That, no, was, that was still the ultimate like reveal. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm standing there, you know, annoying this fucking poor woman that hasn't even had like a cup of coffee yet. And I'm shoving the box set in her face to fucking sign. I like that box set. Uh, yeah. And she's, you know, of course, right off the bat. Am I from Boston? No, I'm not from Boston. Um, and what? she goes, uh, she goes, oh, she goes, uh, Long Island. She's like, that's great. I grew up in Long Island. I'm from Massapequa. I said, well, oh, so that's pretty cool. I said, I grew, up in, Ma- I grew up in Massapequa Park. And she's like, yeah, she's like Oyster Bay. And I'm just like, yeah, I work for the town of Oyster Bay. And she's like, yeah, so does my brother. So that got real weird. And Did you some- get divorced? Somehow we're related. So that's pretty cool. I think, oh. I think I'm going to get like a, I don't know, like a sleepaway, like Dick Christmas card or something from her. Now that would be cool. Or what, yeah. So bounced over to uh, Adrian Barbeau at the uh, ripe age, probably of 73 now. I was looking still pretty damn good. So it was nice seeing her. 
And uh, I refused to pay $20 for a picture, so that's why that wasn't up there. That's not bad. $20? Did for a picture, though? Just did, for a picture? Didn't you take a picture far away of her? No. Because like, they, they, they get talking. Was it the yeah. lean over the table picture? <laughs> no, it no, wasn't that. Yeah, it wasn't even that. They got to let you go behind the Wait table. Wait a minute. Hold on. Bucks. People are charging so much money that $20 doesn't see... I, I don't know. I don't know much about pictures or... Yeah. Photographs with twenty dollars for Adrian Barbeau, who's probably gonna be dead in like yeah. two years. So it was thirty for an autograph and twenty for a picture. So fifty. Fifty. Hmm. What yeah. if you just wanted the picture? Did you have to twenty do, bucks? Did you have to do the combo? Yeah, no, you didn't okay. have to. No. So then I swing around and uh, you know going back to Back to the Future, you know, so you had Leah Thompson and uh, and Biff was going to be there. I think it was one of his first conventions, and both of them have lines. Neither of them are standing over there. And uh, Leah Thompson comes over. Of course, I start drooling because that was my first crush. And uh, she gets behind the table, and I look over, and I'm just like, who is this fucking homeless-looking man in a leather jacket? And lo and behold, it's Richard Greco. Who, Stop it. <laughs> yeah, who probably would have had... He probably would have made more, more money sitting outside Atlantic City with a cup in his hand because he had uh, nobody on his fucking line. Shout-out to Booker. Uh, yeah, so... so that Yo, was, he was like an integral part of Channel 5, like Sundays. Like, he was yeah. the poor man's well, Johnny Depp. Mo- wasn't yeah. he in that movie where Trickster had a song on the soundtrack? If looks good, kill. Looks good, kill. Yeah. 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 Um, so met Leah Thompson. That was cool. Leah Thompson was fucking sixty dollars for a picture. So how would the duck though? I know. Well, she Worth signed that. Penny. Yeah, she signed that. Did she's, you? She signed good duck. Yo, so. how much money did you spend on fucking autographs and pictures? Uh, including the dollar for parking, three hundred and seventy-one dollars. <laughs> Drum roll. Yeah, okay. three hundred and seventy-one dollars. Uh, so then I bounce over to Linnea Quigley, who yes, my God, just. Pretty much the female version of Richard Grieco, just out of her, <laughs> just out of her mind. And so now I was wearing the, uh, I was wearing Ter's shirt, the, the the Gore shirt. And so now to the left of her, C.J. Ramones is sitting there, and she's like, "Oh, that's so cool that you're wearing a Ramones shirt," and blah blah blah. And I was just like, "Man, this lady's fucking lit right now." <laughs> and she's reading the names, and she's just like Savini, you know, it's it's all the the effects artists or whatever. And she and she gets to Rick Baker, and she's just like, "Hmm." Baker, like cookies, and I'm like, no, I'm like, like the guy that won the Academy Award for American Whale from London. Oh, okay, <laughs> okay. Listen, these people are on tour, like, <laughs> like trying to like funnel money out of your pocket. Pretty DFW much, halls. Yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, if you want to get fucked up yeah. trying to get autographs, like by all means, you yeah. know. Like so, she was in Return of the Living Dead, yeah. like thirty, which, which I had her sign. I had her, so I had her sign that, and then as I'm standing there, I'm like, motherfucker, I should have brought the Lene Quigley workout video, which I own, which I'm proud to uh, say that I own. Um, she would have loved that. Yeah, I thought Venice Cinque would have fucking wanted to be stealing it from me either way, so, you know, because he fucking loves that shit. <laughs> um, so then I bounce over to the Crypt Keeper, who's doing, now he's doing voicemails for $50 a pop in the Crypt Keeper fucking voice. <laughs> that's not, that's okay, yeah. like, that's. Out of everything that you've mentioned yeah. so Pretty far, practical. I had to, <laughs> yeah. like let, let me let me just mention that Michelle got me the best birthday gift. <laughs> tell tell everyone what uh, you got me. So I so, talking to so, so Sam and I. We love Tan Mom from the Howard <laughs> no, Stern no. Show. I I don't know why, but I, I God amazing. bless that woman. No I love her so needed. much. There's I don't know why, but I found out that she was doing these cameos, and I couldn't help myself. So I got Sam a cameo for his birthday. You couldn't wait. And I couldn't wait that, like, first of all, I, I 
I booked it so far out from his birthday because I legit thought it would take her like a month to get it done because she's like erratic. Sure. And she did it in like two days, not even. All of a sudden I get this email like, you know, Patricia, you know, did your cameo. And I'm like, oh my God. So now Sam's birthday is not for like two, three weeks later. I'm like, I got to give this to him. I'm like, yeah, I, can't. You, you can't I'm like I cannot, so I cannot hold out on this. And, um, you know, when you do these cameos, you have to write, you, you basically ask them, to say what you want them to say, and then they will read it verbatim, and she couldn't even get it. Yeah, she, <laughs> there's you know, no way that was verbatim. I didn't even see what you wrote. But, <laughs> but I, I will say, you know, she was very lovely. She wants to take us to lunch. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> she, Sam, did you do the things that you always wanted to do? Huh? <laughs> That day, you know, do the do the dreams that you wanted to do, or whatever she said. Like it was just like I watched that thing probably like thirty times. <laughs> that was great. That it was, was so random. I come home and Richie's like, "You really did that?" I'm like, "I totally did that." Because I texted him and I was like, "I think I'm gonna get this person." Yeah, you know, Karen. Karen got me sour shoes like a few years ago. So he, she, oh, you know. Yeah, so I get a phone call. <laughs> I'm at work and I, oh, it's an actual phone call. Yes, and I hear ooh, and I'm like, what? I'm like, hello? And then he starts doing nine, it. Nine. He starts doing his sour shoes thing. And I'm like, and I was like, holy <laughs> shit. I'm like, is this sour shoes? And like, I listened to the mess. I, I listened to like the phone call and he kept going. I, I had to hang up because he wouldn't stop. <laughs> and I fucking like call Karen. I was like, did you do that? And she's like, oh, he called you? And I was like, yeah, he called me. <laughs> <laughs> I got to tell well, you. Wasn't that the thing? Like he would, they just keep him on hold yeah, and he'd he, be doing that he the whole not, time and they just pick him up every now and then. <laughs> he didn't, he didn't stop. I spent almost an hour and a half with my coworker on the Cameo site because I could not I couldn't get enough of that site. Like, I oh. want to get cameos from everybody. <laughs> well, but Debbie Gibson's on there. Oh, right? she, you know, look, when they talk about that on the Howard Stern show, she really does work hard. That girl puts a lot into those cameos. Yeah. Is Mark Terrain from the Bull He's not. <laughs> Mark with Tommy a, Lee. My birthday's though. in a couple of weeks. Tommy Lee? Tommy, Tommy Lee does them for charity. Okay. So I guess, like, okay. it's like $300, and then that money he gets goes to charity and then on his Instagram page he'll usually post like you know cameo charity time or something like he just did one the other day why is Mark with a Q so ugly that's what I want to know <laughs> why is Mark with a Q <laughs> yeah I was like I love that because I'm like we like growing up I'm like why does this asshole have Mark with a Q like that's like the to most... make it a little different yeah you know? completely smooth up in you but I'm gonna get everybody cameos now that is gonna be my gift it to is. all because there's <laughs> something on that site for everybody <laughs> well I did a lot of those bands you know substitute Y for I Eyes, you know, yeah, they would change those <laughs> little things, those little details. So, why not a cue? Why, Kelly with an, exactly. with an eye, Jane, yeah, Janie. Didn't you name what are your, an, is named your, your animals' names again? My cat. Oh, so I have Janie, my cat, Six, my cat, <laughs> Nikki, my dog. Oh man, and then I have Bailey and Jude. Oh, wow, love it. So Anything else with the... No, that, that's the wrap-up. That's a wrap-up? A lot that's of money. That's a good wrap-up. Thank that's you. a good wrap-up. There you go. Yeah. I've, I've never been to those conventions, yeah. and I feel like I really experienced... Nine out of ten reasons why I go there is to see how shitty people look, like Rich Agrico. Yeah. Well, you, you win. You win then. Um, so, okay. So, Netflix released The Dirt, right? And I feel like we're in a very Motley Crew house. We are in a Motley Crew house. We're in a house. very Motley Crew house. I'm yeah. staring at some shit. Like, I'm staring at the... What is that? Like, a gold record from, like, girls... Yeah, jump. Uh, give give him your mic, Langan. Yeah, the girls, girls, girls record. Okay. We are now joined by my husband. We got him to do it. 
How'd you, how'd you get that girl's girl? I have no idea. Just acquired things over the years. Okay. I got more stuff that you wouldn't even want to see. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Actually, give him, give him your headphones so he could hear. So, yeah. Okay. So, we're in a very Motley Crue house, and um, I, like, we're all Motley Crue fans, but I feel like Richie, Michelle's husband, um, is a genuinely hardcore fan. Like, you would consider yourself a, a Motley Crue fanatic, right? Yes. Yeah, okay. Definitely. Absolutely. So, what did you think of the dirt? I loved it. I thought it was great. Okay. I mean, it was cool. It, you know, all these movies—they always got to condense these forty-year careers into an hour and a half movie. You got to throw a bunch of stuff together and create weird timelines. But aside from that, the actors were great. Was, actors were great. Fun movie. And, um, Machine Gun more, Kelly. Machine Gun Kelly. You know what it is? Growing up watching Tommy Lee, like we all have, you could see someone like Machine Gun Kelly and be like, "Holy shit, that's." That's Tommy. That's a Tommy Lee grow. Watching MTV, watching YouTube, like watching all these clips of Tommy Lee through the, do interviews. I'm like, holy shit, that's him. He was perfect. He was great. Yeah. Um, Apparently, the other guy who played Nikki Six auditioned for to do Tommy Lee. Yes. But then they switched the two because they felt it was a better fit. Uh, you know, yeah, because originally, um, Machine Gun Kelly was going to play Nikki's drug dealer. And then somehow, I, I guess Jeff Tremaine got a hold of him, and uh, I believe Machine Gun Kelly has a jackass tattoo. <laughs> so he was, you know, Jeff Tremaine, you know, is the, the jackass. Yep, worked uh, Big Brother too, the magazine, the skateboard magazine. Um, so for me, like, I wish um, there was a budget to do like a eight episode thing on Netflix. Because I feel like everything is so episodic now. Like, you could tell these long-form stories, and it's like, okay. Uh, the beginning and all that other stuff. Um, you read the book? Yeah. No no real issue with, with how they... No, they didn't, take, they didn't change anything. They just condensed too many things into one timeline. Uh-huh. Like, you know, Skyler, Vince Neal's daughter was born in, when, like, 1985, when she was born to, like, 1991 or something yeah. like that. Yeah, so the movie obviously the messed, movie that, not messed that they, up, but the timeline they was They took a lot that. of timelines. I mean, Vince Neal's whole solo career was put in a bar. <laughs> it was, because... <laughs> not that it was that great to begin with, but... No, but I remember when he left. Like, what did you feel like when he left? Oh, I was a kid i was crushed crushed right oh, it was awful it was like the biggest thing in the world that you know your whole life collapsed yeah well, you know why you know why because they released decade of decadence and primal scream is arguably one of their best songs yeah, right it's my favorite song actually okay it's fantastic right like you hear it it's dark and you're like that riff is it was such a good twist for one of those bands of the 80s to come out with something that was fairly modern but still sounded yeah. you know, like them. It was it dark. They weren't jumping on a bandwagon. No. It was good. Very much so. And then I feel like, I don't know what happened. You know, I guess I guess when you... They all hate each other. They all hate each other. And, and when you include tragedy and substance abuse and they're all you know some of them are sober and some of them do you know like on and off like it makes it hard because you're looking at these people and this is how you make a living and i think like sometimes you're just like you know what fuck this shit i can't i can't do it um and you know i remember vince neil leaving and then uh you're invited but your friend can't come right remember that from encino man (laughs) did he ever make a full album yeah he made two he did? Yeah. What did you think of them? Oh, no, they're not good. Not good. No. I think, you know, they're what you would expect 
from someone who can't write a song. Yeah. <laughs> You're right, because Nikki Six was yeah. the main Vince was the salesman. That was all he was. He's a David Lee Roth. You know, he's the salesman of the band. He's yeah. not particularly the greatest singer. No. But he knows how to get things going. Yeah, I mean, they picked or him. Or did. They picked him for a reason. Yeah. So everything leading up to Decade, right, the, the main albums, what is the best album? Shout at the Devil. Shout at the Devil? Yeah, without a doubt. That's front to back. You front to back. You can't pick a bad song off that. But it's not your favorite, though. Yeah, that's my favorite. And it's your favorite? Yeah. I thought Dr. Feelgood was. No, it's my, have you guys, my have favorite. Have you guys just time. met? Uh, Would you like to fight about this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm learning new things yeah. about my husband. And uh, what's your favorite song off that? Bastard? Um, no, 10 Seconds to Love. 10 Seconds to Love. That's a solid song. Yeah, yeah. that's a good one. So watching the movie, and I love, you know, I'm watching the movie with my girlfriend. My girlfriend doesn't know Motley Crue from, from A Hole in the Wall. And after the movie, she's like, that movie was fucking awesome. And she's like, and now I want to listen to Motley Crue. Do you know how much nice. their, their iTunes account has just blew through the roof? Yeah. 900% like, jump in their sales. They have the number 10 record on Billboard right now. Wow. Like right next to like Ariana Grande, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah, because that that's the power of With the soundtrack. Yeah, wow. Yeah, they they. What do you think of of the dirt? The song. It's cool. It's cool. It's the best of the four that they put out. I thought so. Yeah. And then they. What about the like, like a version? <laughs> what do you think? That's, that's a bit. I liked it. <laughs> really? I kind of liked the it. The music is cool, but it just and it's funny that Motley Crue is singing like a virgin. Yeah. That's about where. It, well, it's ends. funny that anyone's singing like a virgin, <laughs> to be honest with you, except for like, I don't know, Michael Jackson, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, what did you, um, what did you think of their, all right, so Shout at the Devil, now, did you keep up, like, listen, for me, I'm a big Weezer fan, and I stuck with them through thick and thin, and they were terrible, like, arguably, like Motley Crue, they made two great records out of the gate, had a great B-Sides collection, and then everything after that's been kind of questionable. Um, Post-Decade of Decadence, what do you think their best piece of music was? Well, I stuck through it all. Of course, like, like I did. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's always been, it's been hit and miss since sure. then, though. The, but The Saints of Los Angeles was really good, though. I think everyone's used to like that. That was a good album. That was supposed to be the soundtrack to The Dirt in the first place. Yeah. When, you know, because this movie's been trying to be made for 15 years. For a years, while. So that was supposed to be, because if you go chapter by chapter... This, the, the, in the chronological order of the album is almost the same thing. It's like they start out and they're, you know, fighting for their lives, and at the end they're like going out swinging. That's it. Yeah. Uh, Calling it a day. They're done, and that's pretty much what happened in the movie. So. Now, as as a like, did you catch them on their final tours? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. How was it? Yeah. I felt like Nikki was <laughs> dialing it in. Yeah. They look bored. They, they look like they they were doing it because they had to do it. Emotions. Yeah. 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 They, how was yeah. how was like set list? Oh, it was fun. It was yeah, cool. I we mean, had a great you know, time, it's... but you know, Vince Neil sings three words basically. He does. It's bad. Yeah, and at that point, like you, you kind of don't want to see your favorite band do that. Like it's, you, I would rather not see them play. <laughs> well, that's what I said. I was like, I'm glad that you just called it a day. Yeah, I mean, they're my favorite band, but I'm. You know, they gotta just. Stop. At some point, yeah, because yeah. it's just you're not like it's not good anymore. It's not there. So, um, okay, cool. Anything you guys want to add to the to the dirt? I love the guy that played Ozzy. I thought that that was oh, fucking was right. The yeah. Ozzy shit. When he came out, I, like when he came out, I, I thought it was Ozzy. I thought it was fucking Ozzy, and just like when he bends over and the money's in his ass, and yeah. 
I was fucking cracking up. They got all the actors did such a good job. Yeah. That guy who played Nikki Six actually did Boy George in the movie. I believe it. Which he's is kind of cool. Pretty I motherfucker. That, I, I actually tried to look it up the other day. <laughs> I just thought that was cool that he could jump so many different things yeah. and do so many different. Yeah. You know, I think it's got to be so. Richie and I were talking about this for for those guys to see people recreating them. It, it, I can't even imagine what that must feel like. And I really, Machine Gun Kelly was so good as Tommy Lee. I don't care what anybody says. I mean, I, again, you know, not the hugest crew fan, but Tommy Lee was always my favorite of the crew. And watching that movie, like, it made me fall in love with the Tommy Lee from the 80s that I loved when I was, like, 16. And, was it and his it was... disgusting leather Speedo? <laughs> <laughs> no, it was just that, like, you know, that, like, goofy, like, he really captured that goofy personality and the, you know, like, happy-go-lucky. You know, I, I thought they were, I thought it was great. Yeah, they were the whole reason I wanted to be in a band. I just I didn't want to be in a band to play music. I wanted to be in a gang to have fun with guys and yeah, get in trouble together. That was it, and that's what that movie kind of showed. Was yeah, that every, you know, they blew through the records like they never even happened. It was all about how much destruction they could cause in one short period of time. And, and what's yeah. funny, way more lifestyle than <laughs> yeah. music, but very much so. And what, what's funny is we could watch it and and look at it as entertainment, but I'm sure they were somebody's nightmare. Oh yeah! Like if you yeah, were married to them, yeah, yeah, yeah. if you were married to them, if, if Vince fucked your girlfriend, if like if, if like they were somebody's nightmare, <laughs> but we could just look at it and be like, oh wow, look look how nice distance. that they throw they were this. A lot of people's nightmares. Yeah, <laughs> like they throwing shit out the like. Why would you just like when you really think about it? Picture you bu- booking them at the Bolton Center, and they're like throwing like a flat screen onto your car. Like, what would you do? What could you do? <laughs> I don't know. Nothing. Call, call Richie. Yeah, you just. <laughs> yeah. You don't do anything. It's pretty crazy, but it's it's fun to watch people act insane. It's almost like you know you, you watch like uh, jail movies and you're like, wow, that's yeah, crazy. You, know, you guys are driving by the accident on the highway. Yeah, uh, you got to look. Absolutely. <laughs> you live yeah. vicariously through them. You you kind of do because they were so out of control, and and you do think of like a Doc McGee. And my favorite part of the actual um, movie was the thing that uh, the 60 seconds or the two minutes of Tommy Lee described. <laughs> his he, day. He, yeah. Why he was day. handcuffed to, to, to the, the bed. bed. And you see it and you're like, holy shit, how the fuck do you do this? Like, you could do it for a night. I just can't imagine being yeah, on yeah. tour. Handlers, does, you know? You do. Well, you need handlers. Brutal. Doc McGee says, he's like, the Motley Crue did stupid things because they were Motley Crue, not because they thought they were supposed to. Yeah. They weren't poison where they thought, you know, they saw everybody do it and they was like, yeah. oh, we got to jump on that band. Right? Yeah. They were just out of their minds. Out of their minds. Wow. Place and time. But all right, cool. So let's, let's you know, speaking of poison, let's talk about, um, actually, before we do like our, our, our top five favorite uh, hair metal songs of all time. D- does anyone remember any like videos from that era that were just so eye catching that were like ridiculous? Because for me, it's fucking uh, David Lee Roth, fucking just like living in paradise. <laughs> Yo, every night, like every Friday night, like I go to VH1 Classics or whatever it is now MTV, and I DVR four hours of Metal Madness. <laughs> And I just like skim through everything to watch the videos that I like. And that video is always on. And he's like climbing a rock. Yeah. He's got a samurai sword. He's like doing spin kicks. Like what the fuck kind of video is this? I love that guy so much, man. <laughs> just listening to, did you hear his interview with Joe Rogan? Yeah, it was great. 
he he's so fascinating as such a like a lowbrow but highbrow at the same time like the, you know it's a very van halen's a party rock whatever the fuck his lyrics aren't like deep or anything sure. but like the shit he knows about like fucking samurai swords and this and that and he just going off into the jungle to go like he's fucking fascinating i mean the guy worked <laughs> as an emt for Would i want to be in a band with him no. Hell no. no. I get that 100%. But. but then again, like it seems to be like the Van Halens are the ones that are the issues. That's what you hear. That's what you more hear. More and more of, yeah. Yeah. But, but uh, uh, I'm sure it was no picnic for anybody. You wanted to mention a video. Oh, God. Well, the 80s are full of horrible videos, but yeah. my favorite of the most horrible videos um, is actually from Blue Murder, and it's the Jelly Roll video. And... Every time I watch that video, I say to myself, what the hell possessed John Sykes to get on a horse <laughs> and rip off his shirt and, cro- and fall on the ground in the rain? And, my, and this, well, here's what's even funnier. So I have had the beautiful <laughs> fortune. Um, I've had the great opportunity to work with Carmine Apice a bunch of times, who, of course, in Blue Murder. And I um, actually had a conversation with Carmine and his girlfriend, and I said, fuck were you guys thinking oh, you got, with you that you got a video? chance to say that yeah wow, oh nice. yeah and carmine is like the fucking coolest guy ever i love him so much like he plays the theater so often and he was just like the 80s you know like it was like he's like i don't i don't know and i was like but seriously like who talked you guys into that i'm like this video is so ridiculous like and then and my favorite of course like because i'm so animated i'm legit like in my theater and i'm like carmine's next to me and his girlfriend's next to me and i'm like literally imitating the scene where john sykes gets like on the floor because she had never seen the video and i'm like how do you live with like rock and roll's greatest drummer and have not seen his worst video (laughs) and she's like i've never seen it it's so it's what's crazy is that you actually got a chance to ask that question like i've never like if i see david lee roth i don't know if i have the balls to be like, yo, why'd you have a samurai sword during this fucking video? It was like, not the first time I had met Carmine, so I think that it, I, I had the courage to do it because at this point, you know, we are on the first name basis, and he's been at the theater a lot of times, and I just, I just truly couldn't hold back because I was like, that video is so I, bad. I gotta, I gotta let her borrow black roses if we're gonna talk oh, about black. Carmine. Do you ever see black roses, Richie? You're a big horror. So fan. Carmine's coming back in June. Vanilla Fudge will be playing the Bolton Center. Carmine is in this movie. Is he? That I'm talking about. And I actually... Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And I went to the uh, I went to the illustrious KISS convention last year in, in <laughs> yeah. Plainview, and Carmine was there, and I slide the soundtrack over to him, and literally his reaction was, huh. <laughs> <laughs> didn't, even know, didn't even know what to say. Yeah. So. Yeah. I think I had him stumped. Like, I, I don't think he was expecting... I don't even know if he remembered making that video, but I really, like, for me, that video is just... There's everything so wrong with it, but it's so right. So great. It's I, so and, great. And the beauty of YouTube, like we you were watching downstairs, <laughs> is you could pull these things up, and it's such a like time capsule that you do like certain things. You're like, wow, you're like, what what was going on? Like the Motley Crue, too young to fall in love video. It's like, why were you guys like in like Asia or something? Like, what's going on here? Like, why does this exist? Um, so let let's do top five uh, hair metal songs of all time. Um, I guess we could kick it off with uh, our guest. Oh, I get to go first? Yeah, number five. Ooh, all right. So gave this a lot of thought. And for me, let me see, number okay. one, they're Actually, not going to be in any particular be, be, yeah, order. Yeah, no, before we start this, um, there, there was that thing where we were thinking, like, what constitutes hair metal? You know, what constitutes... 
We had this conversation. Oh, did you? Yeah, Richie and I, yeah. <laughs> oh, what, 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 what did Richie have to say about this? Well, you know, do you consider Guns N' Roses hair metal? No. Yeah, see me yeah. either. So Even Motley Crue's kind of yeah, like... I said the same thing. Oh, my God. Yeah. You know, this was the exact conversation the two of us had earlier. He's like, I don't know if I can even count Motley Crue. I'm like, oh. I'm like, I would, but... sections of Ozzy that was hair metal but wasn't... Shot, like, Ultimate o- Sin? People yeah. consider Ultimate Sin. Yeah, Ultimate Sin, like, yeah. Well, Shot in the Dark was on like... before you guys came here, and he's like, well, this song would be... And I'm like... Yes. And that's like my, fa- it's probably my favorite Ozzy song. Here's that's, the thing, that's though. Like, Word. That's if, like, that's like if fat, fat housewife Ozzy, I consider that. <laughs> fat yeah, housewife Ozzy. And you had the robe in uh, yeah. kind of Western civilization. <laughs> yeah. to Cooking the fried eggs. eggs. Yeah. <clears throat> um, like, is it like the musical thing or is it just based on look? Because like if, Gun- if Guns N' Roses kept the look like Welcome to the Jungle video, would they be a hair band? Or it's because they stopped that look that they're not. I think you know it's sound. I think it's basically like. But did Molly Crew have like that glam sound glam and the you know? Well, but I think for the first two records, no. Um, but then would you count LA Guns as as glam? Because but I feel like they're sort of like an extension of. You know, like Motley Crue. I don't know. Like, it's one of the toughest subgenres. <laughs> to, I can't like, even believe a real this hear, dialogue. Like, Brian's over here looking band, at me like, really? You're like, that's doom. We're that's really, we're really talking about hair metal. This is like, there's a lot of variables. It depends All right, on. So, like, so basically, the criteria that I went with with this for myself is, um, I picked five songs that I think would be straight up bangers. Like, if we had a party. And like somebody wasn't familiar with the genre, these are like the top five that I put on. So someone would be like, "Yo, I fucking love that song." Oh, now see, for me it was <laughs> no, you do the your top, thing. but for me it was like <laughs> the top five that meant something to me in that Absolutely. time frame. But again, no, for exactly. you, you know. But see, for me, my first choice would be Tesla Paradise. But again, is it glam? I don't know. Like they were always sort of different. Jeff Keith's really ugly, so maybe. Yeah, <laughs> I kind of felt song, like any of that '80s popular rock. Kind of falls I can't believe, into this. This is the most anyone's ever dissected <laughs> this ever. <laughs> we agonized over this. We did. Uh, yeah. All right. So, what's your number five? My number five. All right. Well, they're not really in any particular order, but uh, Tesla's Paradise. Okay, is one for me. Very cool. Um, oh yeah. I mean, if Richie wants to be involved, um, pick. You know, they don't have to be in order, but five in your head and give us one. Cherry pie. Cherry pie. You know what? I fucking love Warrant. They didn't make my top five. Yeah, for me, like, I love Dirty Rotten Phil. You know what? Janie Lane was just a great songwriter. He was a great songwriter, and if you took away like the kind of like the cheesy stuff from it, like the actual songwriting is very good. I like Dirty Rotten Filthy Stinking Rich, like Big Talk. There was a lot of great songs on that record. Um, sometimes she cries really good, uh, but. Uh, cherry pie there was something about it like the songs were just extra good I really loved it I I remember I still in my head have Ode to Tipper Gore (laughs) which was just like I I don't know you you gotta just listen to it but I always thought he was a great songwriter and then even after um, I thought Dog Eat Dog had a lot of great songs I thought that they might have changed and gone a little heavier which was stupid but Machine Gun was was a good single, but he was dressed in leather. And I feel like once you start changing your sound, it was just like the kiss of death. But Cherry Pie, if you put that on at a party, it still hits. It's he very was such a good songwriter, though. Even beyond that, the records that nobody cared about, yeah. he had so many good songs, songs on there. Yeah. But nobody cared. Nobody but me. Cared. 
Yeah. That's about it. <laughs> that's all right. Yeah. And even further than that, he did an acoustic record. He's just such a good songwriter. Great songwriter. But I was stuck so- in a, you know, cheesy band. That was what basically what happened. <sighs> you know, I blame Jerry Dixon. <laughs> <laughs> Lang at number five. The eyebrows. Uh Brittany Fox, Long Way to Love. God damn. Oh, wow. Love Fucking that song. Really? Now that's <laughs> What's that? <laughs> now that's that's hair metal. Are you going to call out Pretty Boy Floyd next? Yeah. I, I got enough's enough next. It's a band that, you know, they had like a brief blast through the stratosphere. That was it, which there was a lot of those bands, you know. I think that song and Girl School, that, those were their two songs they got on MTV. It's a fun, bubblegummy pop rock record with a great riff. It, those guys are ridiculous looking. Don't get me wrong. But, uh, yeah. But, uh, Which one would you song. fuck out of the four? <laughs> the bass player. Okay. <laughs> I, I could get the bass player. <laughs> Not the singer. Aim please. low, aim low. <laughs> Parker, number five. Def Leppard and Armageddon. It. Plain and simple. You fucking throw that shit on, fuck it, everybody's happy. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That is true. That is true. Um, man, I have seven, so I guess I'm going to have to really uh, figure it out here. I hear you. I wrote so much shit down here. I lost my paper. You lost your um, homework. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so uh, I guess I'm gonna go. I'll go rat. Uh, I think one step away off of detonator oh, so good. is a real like if a uh, if if I don't know Butch Walker played that song today if if that song was presented. Somewhere like on the voice, I think it would be a hit. It was a great, great song off of Detonator, the best song I think, um, and that's it. And also, what I do for these episodes is I make a Spotify playlist, so all the songs that we mention, well, you know, when the episode comes out, it'll be attached to this Spotify playlist, so people could listen to these songs if they're not familiar with them. So number four, Trickster, One in a Million. That's it. Shout out to Steve Brown. Word. <laughs> <laughs> La Guns never enough. That's a great uh, song. song. I, you know, once again, L.A. Guns didn't make my top five, but they're great songwriters. Like Phil Lewis and Tracy Guns wrote great fucking songs. Even like Hollywood Vampires, like uh, Kiss My Love Goodbye, It's Over Now. Like those songs are really good. Their debut record is fucking way yeah. solid. Never man. Enough, yep. probably the best song. So. Yeah. Uh, Langan? Um, let's see. Well, number four, I went with uh, Dawkins, Tooth and Nail. Mm. Uh, mainly the guitar solo on it. I remember it was it was my guitar teacher's answer machine. I remember hearing that and I'm like, I fucking want to learn how to play that lick, that solo. Because George Lynch is one of my favorite players of all time. He's uh, Don Dockin is a bit ridiculous. His voice is like thin as paper and. <laughs> But, True story. But pound for pound, that band was talented. Jeff Pilson's a great backup singer, bass player. George Lynch is a god on guitar. Mick Brown. True story. Capable. Richie and I were coming back from a trip from Vegas, and Dokken was sitting behind us on the plane. Get nice. <laughs> and only we knew that it was Dokken. And Mick Brown? Yeah. Did you try to tell everyone the plane, and everyone was like, who? Yes. <laughs> hey, just Google. Google. I tell you, like preparing for this episode and like reading up, like going on Wikipedia as I'm listening to albums and shit. And yeah. Like, God, the lawsuits of every single one of these bands. Yeah. Dokken was one. Rat. L.A. Guns is ridiculous. Like the 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 incarnations of the band where like five different guys want to use the name. Wikipedia has two L.A. Guns pages. One is just dedicated to the 
previously <laughs> really yeah well you know because you you i don't know great like, white like, like every was, single one of them like, sue each other like and like i was saying before like here you are with a fan base that's dwindling and you're gonna divide it in four like <laughs> yo you should be blowing every single one like like every single person that comes to your show, if you're fucking Juan Crocier from fucking Rat, <laughs> like if you get 15 people at the door, like really, like at that point, it's like, yo, let's get the band back together. Like it I must I, be horrible riffs, man. Because I mean, and like Morrissey and Mar, there's like eight million of them in this in this scene. Yeah. It's like they just don't want to get they just back won't together, get back even together for yeah. that. But like, yeah. God damn how many lawsuits shout out Holy to the smiths shit. for making it in, into this episode <laughs> so air um, metal langan yeah. i mean uh parker four. uh wild side i mean we just fucking talked about it for three reasons i mean the guy's going around in a fucking upside down <laughs> going around upside down fucking circle doing a goddamn drum solo with the fucking you know wearing a safety harness Number two, they used to play that shit at the fucking Gravitron, so it fucking makes me think of my fucking childhood. And number three, yes. that was the song that kicks in in my favorite fucking uh, switch-up movie, which is Like Father, Like Son, when fucking Kirk Cameron fucking knocks the kid out. Thank you. <laughs> All right, you hear it here. All right, I, my number four uh, comes from one of the best uh, albums from that era. Arguably, maybe hair metal, maybe not. I don't know. I don't care. Skid Row making a mess mm. off the self-titled. Um, aside from Rattlesnake Shake, that record is fucking solid. So solid. Not a bad song on there. Uh, I remember winning the cassette in Asbury Park. Uh, I don't know, throwing a dart or some shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no. Like, you know how you win the goldfish? Yeah. That's how I won that first Kid Row. Way better. Um, and, yeah. <laughs> Way better than that. Every song, I, I could still listen to it today. Big Guns, Sweet Little Sister, Can't Stand the Heartache, Piece of Me. Um, That's another band I wish could put aside the uh, the differences. Yeah, they won't get back together no, no matter what. Because Sebastian's a pain in the balls. I heard. Yeah. He seems like I read an interview recently though, because he's like, "How many singers have they had? Am I really the pain in the ass?" I mean, that's a <laughs> 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 very true though. Yeah. That's a good point. That. But still, like, I mean, he he can't be fun. They to played work. at the um, that food truck festival, the Black <laughs> yeah, Label, right. was there, <laughs> and they had the singer from. Uh, Love TNT? Hate. Oh, TNT. Tony Harnell? Tony Harnell. Yeah. yeah. And I heard that he was a disaster, too. Like, a whole bunch of fucking problems yeah. and shit. They got to get um, the guy from the Sleazebees. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> Michelle number three. So, uh, throwing in some Bon Jovi, I Die For You. I nice. Die For You? Yeah. That was always one of my favorite. Really? Yep. How about it? Wow. I was thinking yep. I'll Be There For You. No. <laughs> That's the shit right there. Okay. I Die For You. <laughs> Bathroom wall. Faster pussy cat. Uh, good one. Really? Mm. Yo, I saw them play, funny enough, with L.A. Guns when they played Mulcahy's. Uh, yeah, well, I, Fast Pussycat was okay. I thought L.A. Guns really smoked. Like, I thought they were fucking fantastic. So, um, laying in number three. Uh, White Snake, Still of the Night. Love that. Um, it, obviously, very Zeppelin-heavy kind of sound to that one. You know, but... Uh, I'm a huge, it's funny you were talking about Blue Murder because I'm a huge John Sykes fan. He's one of my favorite guitar players ever. Uh, and they, you know, that album was so massive. Yeah. It, what was it, 87? Mm -hmm. Did that come out? Yes. But, uh, you know, John Sykes was a big reason that record, those songs. Well, great. Know. And uh, after it was recorded, I think he 
the Coverdale Five, the whole he band. He got rid of the whole band. <laughs> and uh, I think like, there, was, there was a funny episode of uh, that metal show with John Sykes on there explaining, but I guess the all didn't get along. But yeah, everyone was out. But uh, I think Adrian Vandenberg was was on in, the record, and then yeah. he was still in when they retooled. But uh, anyway, uh, still the night because I, I love the guitar lead, and then I love the whole breakdown with the f- fake guitar violin playing. I, I like that. But the record after um, Slip of the Tongue was fucking fantastic. Um, yeah, there was some really, yeah, really good, good songs on there. You know, that, that would have been like in my top ten. It didn't make my top five. But Slip of the Tongue had some really, really, really catchy songs. And it had that one very Zeppelin song that I can't remember. Yeah. Judgment Night or Judgment yeah, that's what it was. So, uh, Parker number three. Uh, you mentioned before Skid Row, so I got to go Skid Row, Big Guns. Um, Big Guns. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, I used to have a. Uh, it was like a VHS of uh, Monsters of Rock, and they went to Moscow, and uh, you know it was Skid Row. I think Motley Crue, um, Scorpions, Poison, and I think Ozzy. Uh, right when Zach joined, Gorky Park. Yes. Yes. There you go. And Yo, that uh, plane ride looked crazy. Well, that's what. Yeah, and and it's funny because you saw an interview afterwards because there was supposed to be you know the sober you know they went there to <laughs> preach about you know getting clean and yeah. they were doing fucking blow fucking left and right. I don't so. think that the amount of cocaine that was probably on that plane yeah. would have like watching that video on YouTube makes my jaw swing. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, just totally watching it. like everyone there. Like, <laughs> whole, and I don't even makes think, me nervous. I definitely don't think anyone got up to use the bathroom. I think it was just right there. Like I don't think it. <laughs> oh, I, don't yeah. think, I don't think it was like a hundred people waiting at the door to, mist- you know, like stick a key in there. Uh, so my number three is uh, poison, fallen angel, because uh, I don't know. I, I like I said, if if I'm at a party. And and it's a party that isn't familiar with the genre or subgenre. I think uh, some of these songs would just go over well, and and I just remember the video, and and I think it, nothing but a good time might be the quintessential poison song, but I think Fallen Angel is just better. It's just I don't know, there's something about it, it's just great, and it's super super lame, but. <laughs> That is my favorite Poison song. I did say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's big. fucking great, man. Is there a video for that? Yes. yes. That's when he was like... She steps off the bus. She, yeah, that's right. Out into the there city street. There was a lot street. of step they, off the, the bus. The video is very uh, literal. Yeah. Just like the Welcome, welcome to the jungle. jungle and, yeah. Yeah, you, you basically, like, if you're a parent... You'll you, watch her become a whore. Yeah. <laughs> if you're a parent, you never if want your daughter... If your kid takes yeah. a bus to L.A., You don't ever want your daughter going to L.A. and stepping off a bus out into the city street. And fucking Bobby Doll. All right. Or Scott Bale. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Number two, Michelle. Uh, Warrant, Mr. Rainmaker. Oh, that's one of the sleeper hits off of uh, Cherry Pie. Yes. Mr. Rainmaker. Yeah. You go with Rat Loving You is a Dirty Job. Great one. Nice. I love Detonator. I think that such Desmond a great Child. record. Which one? Desmond Child. Yo, who do I always mention on this fuck? Yo, a lot. I swear to God, he just mentioned Desmond Child. I fucking mention him all the time. It might even come up on the Slayer episode yeah, somehow. I fucking, because, <laughs> yo, there was a time where that motherfucker ruled the world. Before Linda Perry, before Butch Walker, before these song doctors, there was Desmond Child writing fucking forever. He wrote the kiss. entire Bon Jovi wrote, album. Yeah, he you know, wrote. Like slippery and wet, pretty much. All, yo, for real. 
Like that I want dude. Desmond Child money. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. For wow. re- he he don't have to write. Like he made it to a point where he he just wrote one the last song he wrote, and he looked at his bank account. And he's like, I'm good. <laughs> he's like, I'm straight. You you do you like call this Linda Perry girl. Uh, so wow. Number two, Langan. Uh, number two, Rat, lay it down. Um, Rat getting a lot of love. Yeah, I. Rat was a had a lot of good songs, you know, and yeah, again, like most of the most of the bands in the genre, I was drawn to the guitar player. Sure, it was always followed the Van Halen formula, the outrageous singer kind of, and the shredder guitar player. But yeah. so many good ones. But yeah, Demartini's fucking brilliant. But uh, the groove on that track, on the riff, I love playing playing that riff like on my guitar. It's a fun riff to play. Yeah, um, why don't you grab one of these guitars and show us? <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> Um, but yeah, uh, round and round was a close one for me, but, but, but lay it I didn't want to go for the obvious. I didn't want to go for the obvious, but also that invasion of your privacy album that is top to bottom. One of my favorite records of that day. Fuego. Yeah. Uh, Parker number two. Fucking up all night slaughter, man. Yeah. Good one. Fucking blast, man. I mean, <clears throat> that shit kicks in with those snare hits right in the beginning. And, uh, I mean, between that and Flight of the Angels, I mean, you know, Flight of the Angels is a little, you know, all more, about more that ballady, but right. uh, all about that. Slang yeah. funeral song. Yeah, yes. yeah. But uh, everybody from the '80s funeral song. Yeah, <laughs> that shit wells. That's definitely on my fucking party mix. I remember. So they were one of those bands that came at the tail end. Like they almost came. Like they were like the, you know, like the uh, the the last child. You know, I mean, like Mister Mister. Mr. <laughs> the last ch- you're thinking of Mr. Big, by the way. Oh, <laughs> oh, I, I, I was, yeah. yeah. I was about to say Mr. Mr. <laughs> Mr. Mr. is like some other uh, shit. Yeah. But they, they Slaughter was like you know like your older you know like your your youngest fucking sibling. You know like uh, when your parents go broke, like you you were there when you know, like your parents had money, and then by the time they had your brother, like he you know your he's forgotten about. No, nah, your parents just blew their money on coke and hookers and they fucking had a gambling problem. (laughs) So, so slaughter was in at the tail end and that first record was great. When did their first record? 89 or 19, 89, 90 spend my life was on there. There was a, Oh yeah. Yeah. Spend my life burning bridges. All those songs were really catchy songs. Uh, probably do, you know, Mark Slaughter and Dana Strum had like that pedigree, you know, where they came from. Um, and the second record was great, but by that time the world moved on the wildlife, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. Enough of that. Number two for me is, uh, our favorite song. Uh, Mr. Big, green, green tinted six sees mind. I don't know why Parker read there my There you mind. go, Mr. Mister. Yeah. I gotta listen to that song. That, <laughs> that song's song made so a great. lot of appearances. That, that song. That song. Is, uh, yeah. I don't even know what to say about that song. It didn't make my list because I had a feeling it would make Sam's. But yeah. oh man, that song is the least most hair metal song ever. It sounds like a Beatles song. <laughs> yeah, it's um, just so good. It, it sounds like One in a Million by Trickster. <laughs> like it just, it's so, it's just a pop rock song. There's nothing. Aside from like Paul Gilbert's like fucking shredding or like w- cool guitar part, um, great melody, great song. I could listen to it now. I still know all the words thanks to Hit Parader. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> At the very end, you know, you'd read the lyrics in the yeah. back. <laughs> yeah, Yo, number two, I can't wait to throw that motherfucking shit on that Spotify playlist and <laughs> have all you guys listen to that fucking shit. <laughs> so uh, that's number one. So um, my one of my favorite bands from that time, uh, Slaughter, Mad About You. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's Good one. Same, yeah. yeah. yeah I wanted a, to marry Mark Slaughter. I got that I shit on the that. instructional video. You ever want to learn how to play it? <laughs> 
<laughs> I think she's she's good. <laughs> Big shock here, Doctor Feelgood. Doctor Feelgood, <laughs> Rat Tail Jimmy, second yep. manhood, deals down Hollywood. Got a '65 Chevy, primed with flames, mm. traded for some powdered goods. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Jigsaw Jimmy. Yeah, Jigsaw Jimmy, running gang. That album got Bob Rock the Metallica job. Yeah, that's yeah. right. right? Yeah, that yep. sound they, on uh, the intro, right? Yep. You feel good. They're like, come ruin our album. <laughs> <laughs> um, and later play bass for us. <laughs> and later play bass for us. But yeah, I, man, Doctor Feelgood. You figure I was eleven, so that was the one that uh, I got shot at the devil first, but. Dr. Feelgood hit because I thought Girls, Girls, Girls and Theater of Pain kind of sucked. Be- Go, give, give them the mic because actually... Um, they, you th- they only had two good songs on each one. Yeah, that right? They were be- bad records, but they had two massive hits. Because ma- Home Sweet Home yeah. is just fucking I mean, massive. Girls is a runaway hit. Yeah. So is Wild Wild Side. Side. Yeah. Uh, I really hated that they, cover. They just stepped in shit, basically, on two albums. <laughs> Those two albums were great, especially looking back... Um, that first record, you know, like one of my favorite bands, the Get Up Kids, they covered on with the show. Um, just really cool stuff, like to listen to those songs now. Then they had the two missteps, and then they got Doctor. Well, Doctor Feelgood was, you know, that was yeah. that was like like you said, I was like twelve, and I was like, oh my god, who are these guys? Yeah, yeah. Rattlesnake was Shake was yeah. on there too. It's a really important record for their career because if you think of like that didn't work, like that's when they finally got sober, yeah. right? Yep. Yeah, and if it didn't work, I mean, like they were headed to oblivion. You know what they I mean? were. They yeah. might have been, but like they, I mean, that was like second wind city right there. You know? Second wind city for sure. And uh, it just hit like right at that right time. Like they got that last grab. Yeah. 89, 90. And then from there. They were yeah. the biggest band in the world at that time. At that yeah. time, yeah. yeah. And then Def- between them and Bon Jovi, it was, Do you- that's our push pull between our relationship. Well, <laughs> yeah. Those, those, are, those are two massive ones. Um, I remember same old situation that video um, because there was this one guy and he had he was cross-eyed <laughs> and he was in the video and he was so fu- like he was in the crowd and I would always just focus on him because he was probably yelling Motley Crue or Slayer one of the two uh-huh. and his eye was crossed this way you know <laughs> shit was so good but uh, laying a number one uh, my number one was. Again, like this this band sometimes teeters on the hair band, whatever, but I think they kind of kicked off the genre a lot too when they came out. But uh, Def Leppard's photograph. Um, I didn't add them because I, I just didn't feel like Pyromania was, so I left that alone. Yeah, I was, on the, I was on the fence. Yeah, great song. Know? One of but the best songs ever written. It's really, that's what I think. It's, uh, it's just a perfect, the, the hooks, the bridge, the chorus, the sound. It's so fat and uh, the tone. It's yeah. perfect. It's a perfect... Rock Harmonies, record. yeah, lying baby, yeah. But that's one of my favorite albums of all time. One of the first cassettes I've ever owned in my yeah. life, and yeah, it's, it's borderline with the hair and stuff. But okay, I'll give it to you. Def Leppard coming out and that early thing was kind of, you know, I'll, go, I'll give early it to you. ahead of the curve. You know? Ahead of the curve. Yeah. Uh, Parker number one. Fucking save the best for last. Fucking Fred Cupcake Curry, man. Fucking <laughs> Gypsy Rose is gonna take you home, my motherfucking Cinderella. <laughs> Why is that so fucking funny uh-huh. every fucking time? Like cupcake curry. Dude. I, I was listening to the Ricky Rackman podcast. Yes, yes. Um, How is that? It's, it's not bad. Yeah, it's is pretty it? good. Yeah. So do you listen to podcasts at all, Richie? No. I, you guys really should. It, it, there's something... And funny because we're on one now. Yeah. Um, so Ricky Rackman has one and he's, he tells you stories from the cat house and all this other stuff. 
you know, really simple, like 30, 40 minutes stuff here. Um, and, you know, he was, once again, he always brings up Fred. Like, I don't know why, but I just remember from watching Headbangers Ball, he calls him Cupcake. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't even know why. Yeah. It just stuck. I'm like, oh, you're Cupcake Curry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. All right. My number one is actually a cover, but it's a karaoke song. And uh, it's a band that's really good. They're they're kind of like a hard rock band. Um, I don't know. This is a great song. Great White. Uh, Once, Once Bitten, Bitten Twice, Twice Shot. Oh, nice. Yeah. Like, you put that shit on, yep. I know every single fucking word. It's yep. not even their song. Um, but they, ha- they had some really good songs. They made it their song, though. They, yeah. I mean, they really did. You, you ask somebody that probably grew up in the 80s like us, probably... Truthfully, probably didn't even know that it wasn't no. their song. Oh, just hey, like, what, just like when White Lion right did now. Radar Love, you know. Yeah. I mean, again, <laughs> you know, we know now <laughs> Golden Earring, but yep. back then, I, I no, I didn't right. fucking know. Like you I didn't like, know because there, there, unless you looked at the cassette and saw that it wasn't their last name, it wasn't like you know, there wasn't like Google. You couldn't just be like, oh, this doesn't sound like their shit. You're just like, oh, once bit, twice yeah. shot, you know. And then you, it's just. Man, I don't know. It's fun, man. You put that shit on at parties. You know, girls could dance to it. Guys could they just like... They think they're Bobby Brown. Yeah, <laughs> you know. She they, her they, way through the 80s. They got the backup singers and all that other shit. So that's my shit. Um, okay, cool. Good list. That's it. Yeah. yeah. So we did it. We, we finally did it. got We finally got Michelle on the show. Thanks, guys. Um, Thank you. And so fun. And thanks for hanging out at my house. Absolutely. Thank you, Richie, for, for doing the guest spot. Um and that's about it. Anything? Three o'clock highs next. Be there or fucking not yes. be there. April twenty fourth. Yes. And then next episode we'll talk more about uh some shit. We'll talk about us because we both saw us. Yeah. Jordan, you have not yeah. seen that yet, Richie. There's so, a lot to unpack there. Yeah, a lot. Yeah, there is. There is. Um, and that's it. Cool. Later. Bye.